0: With the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland to minimize the person to person spread of COVID 19, we suggest that citizens remain home and watch the county commissioners meeting live on our QAC website at www.qac.org/slash/live or on QAC TV's television channel, Atlantic Broadband Channel 7, and now in high definition on Channel 507. In person attendance at tonight's meeting will be limited to accommodate social distancing guidelines. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and/or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending our meeting and notify a health care (laughs) provider. We acknowledge your participation, and by attending, you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. The scheduled agenda is available on the information table just outside of our meeting room. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, you must sign the sheet on the information table outside. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in (coughs) writing for the commissioner's review. Citizens can also join the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org slash public comment, or you may email comments to publiccomment at qac.org. We will accept comments up until the end of the meeting. Comments received will be read during press and public comment period at the end of this evening's agenda. During our meeting, we would ask that you turn all electronic devices (coughs) off and hold personal conversations outside of our meeting room. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran.
1: Pledge of Allegiance to the flag
2: of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If you remain standing for a moment of silence for this great nation, that civility will rule the day in a week or so. Thank you very much.
0: (coughs) All right, commissioners, we just uh, held a closed (coughs) session under section 305B1 to discuss boards and commissions, and we did reach a consensus on our uh, social services board. Could I get a motion on our social services board? So moved. Move to a that point. was to appoint uh, uh, Janice Salazar and Julia Krebs Markrich. Second. We have a
2: motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. So moved.
0: All right. Thank you, commissioners. And we also reached consensus on our legislative committee represent- representatives this year uh, for Mako. Um, Jack Wilson will continue as our designated representative member, and Chris Corcorino will be our alternate member. Can I get a motion on that, please? <laughs> it's a mouthful. Um,
3: I make a motion that Commissioner Jack Wilson take the position of MACO representative and Commissioner Chris Corcorino as the alternate.
2: Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by
0: saying aye. 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 Opposed? One absent. All right. Also mentioned that Commissioner Jack Wilson is an officer this year at MACO, so we want to congratulate him for that um, position. Okay, uh, that moves us to the approval of today's agenda. Today's agenda for our meeting October 27th and the regular and closed session minutes from your October 13th meeting were distributed electronically for review. Do we have any additions or corrections? If not, I want to have a motion to approve. I make a motion to approve
3: as uh, submitted.
0: Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Thank you. All right. Thank you, Commissioner. So that brings us to press and public comments, part one. Um, thank you for taking the time to express your views to the County Commissioner during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone, state your name, address, topic of interest. In keeping with the dignity of the office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely, and we ask as a courtesy to the board and our citizens that you respect, the commissioner's request and refrain from naming citizens and name-calling when offering any critique.
2: Okay, uh, first one to sign up is a Mr. Peter Pappas. If you're out there, come on in. There he is. Good evening. Right, right to the mic. Right to the mic. There you go. You can take that off the talk.
4: Absolutely. We have your time up here. I'm sorry. Three three minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes. Thank you. Good evening. My name is Pete Pappas. Thank you for allowing me to speak tonight. I'm a resident of Queen Anne County. Been a a property owner here and a resident here for over 20 years. Uh, I'd like to speak for the Sunday hunting, Sunday archery hunting. I think it would be a, a great benefit to the county to add more time uh, on Sunday for people to get out the um, Both economically, it'll it'll benefit the county from people staying overnight from Saturday to Sunday to be able to hunt, hotels, food, lodging, and what have you. Um, the other um, reason I think it would be great is because uh, I'm in the service business and I know a lot of my people work on on Saturdays. They work six days a week, so having Sunday hunting will, will allow uh, youngsters and parents to get their kids outside. Plus, Saturdays are tough because now a lot of these kids are involved in extracurricular activities from school. They're playing soccer. They're playing lacrosse. They're, they're, they're doing other things on Saturday. So having the opportunity to, to hunt on Sunday would, would, would be a, a great opportunity. And I am finished. Thank you for your time.
2: Thank you. Uh, David Sutherland. David.
5: Evening. Good evening. How are you? Good. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk to you, know, you guys tonight. I'll make it brief. Uh, Mr. Pappas, I think, hit most of the key points. But, um, again, I'm David Sutherland. I'm a resident of Queen Anne's County, and I'm a hunter and a fisherman. I work with a lot of uh, uh, people in different uh, volunteer positions, one in particular, I uh, Chair of Maryland's Sportsman's Foundation, and have been involved in Sunday hunting for many years in the promotion of it and education uh, of Come the back. benefits of Sunday hunting. Sunday hunting is, is uh, particularly uh, bow hunting in Queen Anne's County is going to be an important uh, step forward, expanding Sunday hunting within our community to the benefit of of uh, our children. Um, as a father of three, uh, it's, I'm always competing with other sports on Saturdays, and um, and yeah, it's uh, it's important to get our youth into our sports. So Sunday hunting uh, on Sunday, particularly with bows is an expansion of that opportunity. Uh, and I think about walking in, uh, seeing some people from uh, Chesapeake Outdoors as an example. Uh, they benefit uh, from an economics perspective, uh, providing more opportunities on weekends, uh, Sundays in particular. I don't see interferences uh, with uh, Sunday hunting, uh, particularly on private lands with other user groups. Uh, we have the right, uh, the a private landowner, to enjoy the our properties and uh, manage our deer populations the way that we see fit uh, and, and and equally important is uh, deer management uh, with you know the large farming community that we live around and within <clears throat> always trying to manage uh, for um, uh, deer damage that's pretty uh, extreme these times with with the deer population to be as large as it is so I appreciate the opportunity to uh, uh, to speak to you guys, and hopefully that uh, encourage you to move forward with this. Thank you. Thank you,
2: Peter Morris.
6: Evening. Good afternoon, uh, Peter Morris. Uh, afternoon, manager of a Chesapeake Outdoors. Uh, my big issue here is I get people coming across the Bay Bridge who have leased properties in this county. A lot of property. A lot of archery hunters. Uh, they are now stopping, wanting to stop their leasing and go into Dorchester County, into Kent County, that has every single Sunday of the season between archery and gun season. I do understand the gun issue on a Sunday. I'm not a, I, I, I get it. But the fact of archery hunting and these people are leaving our county to bring their business to Dorchester County, to bring their business to Kent County. Okay? Most people I know blue collar are six days a week. They're working six days a week. Sunday is their only day. In the times we're having right now with this COVID going on, people are still out of work. Some people are getting unemployment. Some people aren't. I know people that literally are feeding their families with venison. They don't take them to a butcher. They're legally shot, legally tagged. But they they butcher them themselves, feeding, sustaining the family a food sustenance. Uh, I, I just... On private property, I'm a resident of Queen Anne County, and I work six days of the week a lot. And on Sundays, I cannot hunt my own property with archery equipment. And there's more archers out here now than ever before. Ever before. More ethical archers out there. The kill ratio is, the harvest ratio is increasing. You talk to the state of Maryland, they will tell you, we still have an issue with deer. We still have too many deer. If we need to knock this population down, how many Sundays? Eight counties in the state have full Sundays. Eight counties. That's archery and gun. Montgomery County, they have it. Come on. Montgomery County has it. We are as rural as we could possibly get. We need to have Sunday hunting to get the deer population down, to give people the opportunity to get out, to get youngsters the opportunity to get out. Not to mention the economical. We lose business as a store manager. I lose business by people going right by me because they're not going to be able to hunt here on a Sunday. They're going to Dorchester County, spending Friday night, Saturday night at a hotel. We really need to do something. Population's out there. One way to knock it down is to add all of the Sundays in for archery throughout the rest of the year. Thank you, folks. Appreciate it.
7: Thank
2: you. Warren, I have you next. Do you want to speak now? On 2008, or are you, you waiting for...
7: No, I'm not for 2008.
2: Okay, well, are we having testimony for 2008? No, it... we
8: had the hearing.
2: No, we had the hearing already, so you might
9: want to come up and... Okay. Yeah.
7: That's new stuff.
9: Commissioner, so I'm Warren Wright, and um, I'm a volunteer for the Drug-Free Coalition, and we have an alcohol subgroup, and they had some information they wanted to share with you. Uh, The distilling, brewing, and fermenting of beer, wine, and particularly spirits in a farm setting seems dangerous. People with little or no experience making these things present significant health, welfare, and safety concerns to all of us. Even with experience, quality control and oversight are needed. Otherwise, uh, this appears to be moonshining. As written, this amendment provides for 12 promotional events for up to three days each. It provides for tap rooms. There are additional multi-brewery events where sales by the glass are permitted. This competes with all of our existing retail establishments, restaurants, and taverns. The Class 9 Distillers License is for commercial brewers. And we have some in Queen Anne's County. It will also compete with them. Um, these, farms becomes, these farms become manufacturers... Wholesalers and retailers And they will not have the normal Regulatory supervision At each tier Queen Anne's County will have little If any regulatory authority They will operate under a Maryland state license We strongly recommend that If a farm tap house is open That it be required to obtain A.B. Article Division 2 license From our liquor board Which will provide some Local regulatory supervision In Queen Anne's County 10 acres does not seem like a farm. Lots of people own 10 acres, but they don't farm. Uh, But that would be permitted by this ordinance. We suggest a minimum of 100 acres, which is more like a farm, And if this minimum is approved. Also, the text calls for 2 acres to be planted out of 10. That's 20%. We suggest that 20% remain, but the acreage be increased to the 100 acres. the ordinance says very clearly it is for countryside districts, which is us, to be secondary to the primary agricultural use of the property. Their proposed suggestions seem to us to follow the intent of 20-08 and protects the health and safety of QA residents. Thank you, commissioners.
2: Thank you. That's all I had that signed up to speak. Would anybody out there in the hallway like to come in and make any uh, public comments? Okay, seeing none, we're going to close uh, press and public comment.
10: We, we have two
2: uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot about Bruce. <laughs> there you go.
1: Fire away, Bruce. Sure. All right, our first email this evening comes from Kathy Trotter. Good evening, gentlemen. As most of you know, I'm against Sunday hunting. All I ask is that the animals get a break one day a week, and I don't think that's too much to ask for. Hunters cause injuries, pain, and suffering to animals who are not adapted to defend themselves from bullets, traps, and other cruel killing devices. Hunting destroys animal families and habitats and leaves terrified and dependent baby animals behind to starve to death. That is is except for the amazing animal wildlife rehabilitation groups. They are extremely dedicated and spend not only countless hours, but an exorbitant amount of money to rehabilitate the babies. As many of you know, I am the Secretary for Maryland Votes for Animals, and we introduced proposed ordinances in the Maryland General Assembly. Last year, we were, along with the Humane Society, introduced wildlife killing contests. This was extremely well-received and unfortunately due to COVID session closed early, and this will be in reintroduced in the 2021 state session. Thank you for your consideration. Our second email came from Jay Falstad. Dear Queens County Commissioners, we understand the county commissioners have received a request to expand Sunday hunting on a private land in Queens County, and that this request, if endorsed by the county commissioners, will move to the Maryland legislation for consideration. Recognizing the Eastern Shore's hunting heritage and not expressing any opposition to hunting generally or the management of wildlife resources, Puyans County Conservation Association respectfully opposes the expanded Sunday hunting proposal. Maryland, along with most other East Coast states, has a long history of restricting hunting on Sundays. These restrictions serve the public interest in preserving citizens' access to natural lands. Most people are unwilling to risk becoming a target by entering wooded areas while hunting season is in progress. Keeping most Sundays free from the most hunting provides one weekend a day, one weekend day, for the non-hunting public to enjoy peacefully and safely. The fall and winter outdoors, especially at public parks, most of which are completely surrounded by private lands. According to U.S. Fish and Wildlife, only about 5% of Americans hunt. The non-hunting public, 95% of all Americans, has a legitimate concern about the danger hunting presents to them when they seek the benefits of time spent in nature. Just this past week, A young man in Pennsylvania was shot and killed while watching the sunset with his girlfriend in a public park. While the International Hunter Education Association reports that in an average year, no more than a thousand people in the United States and Canada are accidentally shot by hunters. This toll is quite sufficient to create a general awareness of the heightened risk of being outdoors in a hunting area while hunting is underway. From an economic standpoint, the amount of dollars supporting the local community from non-hunters is significant. Bird watchers, walkers, hikers, horseback riders, mountain bike cyclists, canoeists, and kayakers all enjoy Queen Anne's County's parks and waterways. To the extent that non-hunting outdoor enthusiasts feel unsafe because they may encounter hunters on the one remaining weekend day, they will be discouraged from coming to Queens County to enjoy outdoor recreation here. QACA requests that the current regulations remain in place. The current structure is fair and provides both hunters and non-hunters the opportunity to enjoy our outdoors. We urge the commissioners not to expand Sunday hunting in Queen Anne's County. Sincerely, Jay Falstead. And that's it for me. There
2: you go. Okay, now we'll close with press and public comment.
1: Moving on. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner.
0: We can move to the uh, new business for the seating. So if you want to turn to tab number three, we have uh, 15 action items here. First one is um, we need the, the commissioners to sign this new payroll authorization form for the uh, finance and h.r. systems so uh, that's just a housekeeping item there so we get that signed
3: i moved to sign the attached form and...
2: it's just housekeeping we don't know no, it's just it's a house we're good
0: all right our second item is our legislative requests for the 2021 state legislative session so we have three uh, legislative requests initiatives for the state delegation proposed for 2021 um, we have two art, two articles for the uh, liquor board. The first one is Section 27-1601. This removes the distance restriction from a place of worship for liquor liquor establishments, which is now 500 feet. Article 27-205. This reduces this would reduce the frequency of inspections for liquor licenses from uh, 60 to 180 days. The number of times our liquor inspector has to inspect those. Um, those premises. And item three is article 10-410 and the natural resources article to expand uh, Sunday hunting in Queen Anne's County.
2: All right. Uh, let's see. I move to submit the following legislative requests to our state delegation for the 2021 legislative session. Article 27, section 27-1601, removing distance restrictions from a place of worship for liquor establishments. Article 27, section 27-1601, Two hundred five, reducing frequency of inspections for liquor licenses in Article 10-410, expansion of Sunday hunting. Can I get a second for discussion? Second. All right, so let me, as uh, Administrator uh, Mon just said, the place of worship uh, on the liquor license is basically we have churches that are doing fundraisers. We have firehouses doing fundraisers, but they're within 500 feet of a uh, church or a school, so it's it's contradictory to what they're actually doing. So we just want to clean that up. The second one is, uh, I think right now we have a mandatory inspection of every 30 days or 60 days. I'm not 100% sure, 60 but 60 days. 60 days. Excuse me.
0: Every 60 days.
2: 60. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So you know uh, our our liquor inspectors just uh, I guess they spread extremely thin. So we want to have that as a you know, mandatory once every 180. Doesn't mean he won't go every 60, but it means that he has to go at least. Once every one hundred and eighty, and the expansion for Sunday hunting, what that is going to entail? Because you know, everybody's hearing uh, this testimony coming up or these uh, comments. Uh, Sunday hunting is adding uh, only archery. Uh, Todd, you have the, the number of days.
0: Uh, yeah, it would add uh, it would add an additional ten days to the um, archery season and two additional days uh, to the muzzle loader season. Correct, and it would add the the uh, turkey.
2: I think turkey season adds add Sundays in, in turkey season. But it does not it does not include geese or waterfowl. Those are migratory birds. They're regulated by the federal government. So those two would not have additional hunting days uh, added to those. So it's just really a, uh, the whitetail. W-
0: what's the list you have there? So it, this would apply to uh, deer, turkeys, rabbits, squirrels, and upland birds. Places. Upland birds, right. Yeah. So no migratory birds. So
2: that's... That's what all that's uh, for, and again, you know that's and it's for on private property, no public property, uh, private property. So you know, we you know we, we understand the safety concerns, and we and those safety concerns are Monday through Friday and Saturday already. So it's just another added day, and again, it's you know we have a large farm population, and and uh, we you know the, it has been asked of, of me. Uh, you know, by a good many hunters that, you know, again, work Monday through Friday. Rain rains Saturday. You can't go out or, like you said, you have, you have kids and, and other obligations and, you know, they just want an opportunity to hunt their, their land or the land that they lease. So that's where we are. Any other comments?
11: Well, I think just to the Sunday hunting, um, the, the, the effect or figure that uh, Mr. Falstead produced at right. the 95.5, I get that if you live add in New York City. Exactly. And they're, because they're not hunting in New York City, but Correct. when you come here to the eastern shore of Maryland and Queen Anne's County, I would tend to believe that hunter population is a little bit higher percentage here. Right. So that's why, and I think, you know, I, I really agree. I, I knew through COVID a lot of people are working six days a week. And, right. and, you know, that's prime time for hunting season right now for a lot of these guys, and they can't get out. And even sometimes they're working seven days a week. Right. So Um, And I honestly believe hunters are good stewards of the hunting. Well, I think
2: a lot of a lot of the public doesn't even realize already we had, I think it's ten days or nine days already that you can hunt Sundays, and this just expands it through the rest of the season. So.
12: Well, as far as I can see, there was quite a lot of confusion in the animal community as to whether it did or didn't cover waterfowl. Correct. So I was going to make a motion that it doesn't, but since it plainly doesn't, I accept that. But. To me, still, it's a divisive, one of these Understand. divisive babies that I'm not wanting want to walk into, so thank you.
2: Not a problem. Not a problem. Any other discussion?
11: So, are, Steve, do you have reservations on it still? or yeah. The reason I'm asking is then, if that's the case, we should split the motions between should the liquor and the hunting, uh-huh. if, if he yeah, has reservations. No,
12: any reservations I have do not apply to liquor.
11: Right. Right. Okay. But the motion is for both, so if you Yeah, the motion is for
0: all three pieces. All three of them. I understand. Those, yeah. I'm not. I'm not voting for it. Right. Okay. All
2: right. Okay. All right. Anything else? Nope. Okay. <coughs> okay. So I'm going to read it again. Uh, you want to uh, you want to split those into two motions? Then the liquor. Yeah, thing? we can split it in two. Okay. that's fine. So okay. so I'm going to rescind my motion. If you're willing to rescind your second. Yep. Okay, so we're going to make the first motion on the uh, move to submit the following legislative request to our state delegation for the 2021 legislative session, Article 27, Section 27-1601, remove distance restriction from, from a place of worship for liquor establishments in Article 27, Section 27-205, reducing frequency of inspections for liquor licenses. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? So moved. Second motion will be for the following legislative request for state delegation for 2021 legislative session, Article 10-410, expansion of Sunday hunting. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion on this one? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? One. Four to one. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Commissioner. I'll just mention our... uh, our man from Minneapolis, Mr. Bruce Berriano, is here this evening. He will be uh, over there this year for uh, representing us with these requests. Um, I think uh, it's going to be interesting times over there with the, with the COVID, so I don't know if you have any questions for him while he's here uh, visiting us here in Queen Anne's County tonight. Bruce, you
2: want to come up and, and just – Sure. Yeah, come on up, Bruce. Give us, give us some inside scoop
7: that uh, hopefully will make these the
2: predictions of session this year? Yeah.
7: Good evening. Again, uh, I haven't seen you on a while. I want to, again, personally... You can take your mask off. Thank you. I you want, want to personally you want. thank you all very, very much, and I mean this seriously, uh, for letting me continue to be of service to you and the citizens of Queen Anne's County. And you have my assurance I will give my full attention and, uh, to, you, to you all in terms of your in, individual wants and needs and, and what's best for, uh, for the county. Um, um, the session is going to be uh, extremely difficult. Uh, There's a lot that's unknown. I think it's going to be difficult not only for for lobbyists. It's going to be difficult uh, for the legislators. It's going to be very, very difficult for the general public, uh, you know, as well. I've been talking actively with a lot of legislators. This is regardless of party affiliation or or what have you. Um, Things are not finalized, but the, the only thing that is required constitutionally is that the final vote, the third reader vote, as they say, on legislation has to be done in person. It cannot be done virtually or by any other means. Uh, so that there will be designated days, nothing is finalized, but maybe two days a week where, where, where the members will actually come in and vote on third reader on a bill. Um, uh, so far the discussion is, is that uh, all committee work of uh, standing committees, uh, joint committees, capital budget committees, I mean, what have you, will be virtual. Mm. What about uh, citizens' testimony, testifying uh, on legislation? I, I, I don't know the details on that. That—that uh, that, uh, I don't know the details yet because they have not been finalized, not only citizens' testimony, but, <laughs> you know, representatives of not only counties but groups and organizations, right. uh, how they're going to do that. Uh, I think it's going to all be virtual. Uh, The discussions that I'm hearing, but nothing finalized, is that um, you'll have a designated time period. Like, say a hearing starts at 1 o'clock, so you you electronically sign up in advance, and so you'll go on at a certain time, and you'll have a couple of moments, and then the next person. But that's really going to interfere with the ability of the members of the committee to ask questions that might be prompted by the testimony, because it'll... It'll throw off kilter the uh, the hearing the hearing schedule. Uh, so I don't know. Ha- they have not resolved. It's not. I don't know because it's not really been resolved. I've been talking to legislators. The only thing that is uh, clear, and there were written memorandums, which I believe I sent out to you all uh, a good month or so ago. But I'd be happy to send again. Um, actually, physically seeing a legislator in one of the buildings. You have to have an appointment. The staff of the legislator uh, comes and gets you, brings you up after your appointment. They escort you out so that you're not lingering in the halls of the building. And as the memo is, it's for all the public, all cabinet officers, uh, all registered lobbyists, uh, just anyone. Uh, It's not going to work well. They're also suggesting that those legislators, senators, and delegates that have uh, more than one staff person and the delegates offices as you know are so much shared. smaller than the senate offices that they alternate the staff person so that both of them are not in the same room on the same day which is going to affect uh uh legislators getting their work and, and then particularly if some of them are going down to escort someone down and back it's um, uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be t- terribly difficult. It really will. They're not going to have the intern program or the or the uh, the, the legacy program of seniors, so the staff's going to be not even – it's my understanding they're not even going to have pages on the House or Senate floor. Uh, 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 that That's my understanding, and if I'm wrong on this, it's because things are changing periodically. But they're just trying to reduce the number of people because uh, as – People come in, uh, they're going to have – I did speak with the health department last night. I had dinner with one of their main people. They're going to set up testing uh, stations outside all the buildings. So everyone will be, will be tested, uh, not just the temperature, but actually tested uh, and questioned and, and what have you. And there's a concern of, uh, you know, if a legislator stays in a hotel, for example – and then comes in and goes back, or goes home and comes back. You know what's what's the effect of that? And um, so it's uh, it's. I don't mean to be rambling, but it's very uncertain. It's going to be very very difficult. Uh, I think it will get to a point. That what I'm hearing now is that they're going to come in and, and uh, convene. Then they're going to recess for about thirty days, roughly, so people can get their bills together and 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 all that kind of stuff and then come back and, I think, uh, outside of local bills, which will have no problem, uh, statewide bills are going to have to be justified as what is the need for us to take time to consider it, deliberate it, and pass it this session as opposed to, you know, wait, wait waiting an- another year. Uh, as you might have read in the paper, it only affects a couple of legislators, none from Queen Anne's County. There's a limit on the bills you can introduce uh, that it, it to 30 a legislator, but it exempts local bills uh, uh, from that standpoint at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, that so far the Senate is going to meet uh, on third reader on the floor. They're going to build, um, uh, you know, plastic like hockey penalty boxes in front of each uh, senator, <laughs> senator hershey said he'd bring his ho- hockey gear one day and uh you know it's going to be like that uh they can do that uh in terms of the the size of the senate and what have you the house is very undecided i know at one point they were trying to get down the naval academy the naval academy didn't so couldn't help them out and um you know uh, we see that here what goes on is during
2: covid uh people's fears we see much or fewer people coming in to testify at all. And it sounds like there's not going to be no testimony or very limited via through Zoom or whatever the case may be in Annapolis, and to, I'm concerned about that because you'll get some really alarming bills that will slide right through with very, I mean, people are it, concerned this, about this is the perfect time. If the state was serious about transparency, this would be the perfect time for them to introduce cameras in both houses and let the public see what goes on in there, versus now they're going to be totally in the dark and limiting the amount of people that are going to go in there to even see what's going on. It's a shame.
7: What they're talking about, and it's in the talking stages, I know, is having the voting sessions of all the committees, uh, uh, you know, you can zoom in and watch it, which has never been done before, uh, you know, at at all. but uh, um, there are, and I'm not trying to get into them. there are some some very hot emotional right. statewide issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to pass the budget and the capital budget, which they will do, mm-hmm. but even that takes a process of the hearings. Uh, I know you all are familiar with that, but uh, um, um, and extremely respectfully, I think it's going to get to a point where uh, you know we're all human beings, and we all. Are impacted by by things, and I, I think at some point uh, uh, people may just not be happy and be a little. We're going to have your work and, uh, cut out for you. I mean, yeah, I know. I I'm, <laughs> but, so uh, Bruce, no, I'm, I'm going to work. You know, very hard. I'm, I'm going to work closely with uh, Lamont Cook on the, uh, uh, on, the, uh, on the on the on the on the on the on the bonds for uh, uh, for the detention center. i I've, I've been in touch with him regularly. That's been going very smoothly. I, I don't see any problem with that stuff. But with all this uncertainty, you've got to watch it very, very carefully. And I, you have my promise I'll be doing that uh, mm-hmm. very, very conscientiously.
11: So to follow up with uh, Jim's, I, I'm glad to hear that they're going to be mindful of the number of bills being put in, because that was one of my early concerns. If they inundate it with 2,500 bills like they had the last couple of years, they'll never get through them. And a lot of them, i got to be honest, a lot of them are frivolous. You've been over there long enough to know that, that yes, a sir. lot of it never even sees the light of the, uh, the committee. So... Um, I'm glad to hear they're doing that, but I echo Jim's concerns that, um, you know, I've I've been on a lot of Zoom meetings, as we all have, and the one thing I've noticed about a Zoom meeting is you do not have the conversation levels that you get in an in-person meeting or an in-person conference or anything. Um, People tend to be busy, uh, whether they're uh, doing their nails. I mean, you you really, it's just not to the attentive, it's not there. And, you know, some of this stuff that's going to be brought up, and that's going to segue into my question for you, in terms of what you've heard is Kerwin. Obviously, Kerwin is one that is going to be brought Vegetable. to the forefront early, and I'm just wondering if you're hearing any
7: early yes, rumblings. I, I can. I, uh, what I'm being told and, and what I'm relying on, just informationally, uh, and I'm just giving the best that I know at this, this point in time, is that, um, uh, first of all, without getting technical, all the Constitution requires is that the first order of business is a legislature has to take up vetoed bills. doesn't mean they have to vote on them or decide what they're going to do. They just have to take them up, and as you all know as legislators, they can special order them and continue to special order them, which, which they will do. They can control the time. So they're going to do that. They're going to take them all up. Um, and they may do that with some of the others as well. But on Kerwin, what I'm being told is that a, an emergency bill is being prepared to separate out the school construction piece of Kerwin, so that that could go forward now. There's funding and money available for that, uh, so that that could go forward. And that the rest of the bill, as provided for and amended by, the, uh, by this emergency bill, the rest of the bill will be kicked down the road for about five years in terms of implementation and, and, and going into effect. So I guess
11: that leads to another question then. Um, because for two years now, all the counties have been operating under the guise that we have committed to two years of Kerwin basically in two budget cycles now with the third year coming up with set goals, set amounts of money and all that kind of stuff. What kind of flux is, I mean, and I guess these are questions we can ask here, but what kind of flux is that going to put our local board of educations in yeah. if that's the road that we've all been pushed for? Getting prepared. Uh, getting prepared yeah, right. and then you're going to pull that back. You know that's basically going to be the wild, wild west, and what they can ask for for funding. Then I we, we have no the structure.
7: I, I do not know the answer. I'll check into it. Also, uh, I'm sure Mako is
11: oh, yeah, giving I'm sure attention to that.
7: that. And I, I know you're the yeah. you're the rep there. Uh, uh, but I'm just but curious. But I'm being told uh, by legislative leaders that that's what they're going to do with with, with, with Kerwin. Uh, um, there are some other bills that are raising taxes. I don't know what they're going to do with those. I mean, because uh, they were tied directly to Kerwin. Some of some, those, of, the, some, some of, of the pieces were of Lamar. the funding. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
12: Bruce, two two things. The major part of the lift on Kerwin would be wages. So lifting the construction out would be like a fraction, 20 twenty, thirty percent. What?
7: Yes, yes. I was told by some legislative leaders that. The construction piece, the school construction piece, is what would stay...
12: But the heavy lift would have been the salary jumps.
7: Right, and that, that's what would be pushed uh, down the road. Right. Uh, and I was told five years, but, uh, I mean, that, no, really, it's very fluid. I'm giving the best that I know. Right. Yeah, no, that's, sure. right, that's right. That's fine. That's really fine. There yeah. You know, was more than we knew ten minutes ago. Yeah. Absolutely. I hadn't heard the five-year plan, but... Yeah. I'd heard that from several <laughs> legislative leaders in the House. Okay. And I, that's good. They were giving me straight information. Uh, uh, they, there's no way they can do curbing, in it's in right its, no. They, There's no way. So uh, they they do want to override. There is some, you know, ill feeling among the majority party of uh, the vetoes and what have you. I'm not trying to get into that, but the, so they do want to do the overrides, but they can do them in a way where they don't. What they're overriding doesn't take effect. Or they can control when it takes effect. Currently, that de- definitely will do. Uh, uh, on the uh, historic black colleges, that's a very emotional issue, a very real issue. It's got a lot of merit. Uh, frankly, both bills passed somewhat unanimously in the House and Senate. Uh, I think those are going to be overridden, too. I don't know whether they'll delay that or, or what. But uh, it's, um, it's going to be uh, very challenging for everybody. One last and, uh, question, friend.
12: Uh, There was some discussion last year of lifting the income cap at 3-2, wasn't there?
7: The income? The income cap. Yes. Yeah. Where is that at this point? Uh, I've heard no discussion about that at all. Okay.
11: I think that was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Stevie, that was more of a creating a progressive income tax uh, cap so that you could go above if you wanted to, but then there was a minimum I mean, you could get locked into. It. There's a whole bunch of language about that, but it didn't go any – that came out of Anne Arundel County. I don't think that went anywhere.
7: The only two tax issues and – and I'll, I'll finish, uh, Mr. President. The only two issues that uh, – tax money issues I've been hearing of, of Senator Antonio Hayes from Baltimore City is putting a bill in to increase the alcoholic beverage tax with the money there from designated to uh, 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 so health care for uh, what's it already, disadvantage. 9%? Nine, nine uh, it, 30 it it, I think it's. 39%? It's, it's, it's significant. It's significant. So that that's going in. And then there's been hearings, but nothing finalized that uh, uh, unless there is a very major federal stimulus after the election, there's really going to be a need to uh, uh, do uh, an increase in the unemployment insurance tax, more contribution. It's, I mean, it's. Uh, and I, I know your senator's been very involved in that. He's on the. Work group in the subcommittee, and he's got a lot of uh, background and knowledge on it. And uh, um, I know for for those of you that have businesses, I know uh, that's one that it it can't be ignored. But uh, a lot of the unemployment is not caused by the employer, correct? Uh, So I mean, I don't think it's fair personally to get that into your calculations and increase. So it's, uh, but that's the only other. Yeah. So put it on the employer
11: who pays it anyway. The employee never pays anything in unemployment tax. So put yeah, it back on the employers that are struggling. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's yeah, that that's sure. where I'd go yeah. with it.
7: No, I'm just tell me what <laughs> oh, No, no, I get you. Uh, I get you. advocate. So you,
11: you've,
7: um,
3: you've always been very good about communicating to us via your email during the session and keeping us abreast of what's going Thank on. And, and I imagine um, the communication that you've always shared with us is going to probably be extremely important uh, this upcoming session because of the, the uh, inability to be able to be there to testify on committee or uh, or have somebody there, uh, and, and I know we have MACO, and we're fortunate enough to have Jack as a board member of MACO, um, but I think the communication between yourself and the commissioners uh, is going to be extremely important.
7: Uh, this session. Thanks for bringing that, that up. up. I'll, so. I'll, I'll take that up. No, no, I'll, I'll increase that. I really will. And I'm working. Just finally, I'm working on my own little ways of doing things. Of just trying to get through, so I can. Uh, I mean, I've I've been able to get all the legislators' cell phone numbers uh, and their top aides and their cell phone numbers of their top aides because speaking, speaking of cell phones, you still got that? Uh, I shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I assure you I, will I get, won't say anything. I will get the job done I will get the job done but I'm glad you said what you did. we call I, them uh, smartphones uh, cool. smart right? uh, because I think <laughs> the, the need for it couldn't be more yep. relevant than well this, the other the thing, next thing next is you also up. and then I will stop you also need to know of the lulls so if like if they if they go I mean maybe the paper but if you go out if they go out for 30 days is anything going on during that 30 days, right. or is there a real law, and you know, you, so that you, you know, you can fulfill your responsibilities? I know uh, Mako will be very much on top of it, and
9: I'll, well, but again, thank you.
7: I look yeah, forward thanks, to it. I love challenges, much, and uh, it'll be a challenge. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah. we're really glad you're ever really there. So. I love. <laughs> I, hats off to Queen Anne's County. I love those things. Oh. Love thank you. All right, good to see you. Thank Barry. you very so much. much. Have very good much. night. And, uh, again, thank you for letting me continue to work with you. Good luck this year. All right. Good sure. to see you. All right.
0: All right, commissioners. we're a little behind schedule, but let's move over to our presentation yes. section for the meeting tonight. Um, next, we have uh, Mr. Ken Kozel from the University of Maryland Shore Regional Health CEO, and he's going to give us the update for Shore Health. So, Ken, you want to come in? And I think you have um, Arvin here tonight, so if you want to introduce Yep. Come on up.
13: Yep. Great. Good evening. Good evening. Gentlemen, how are you? Good. How are you? Great to join you this Good. evening. Yep. I'd like to take a minute before I'm going to ask if it's okay we'll have uh, I'll do a quick introduction of Arvin and then uh, when he exits I'll take my mask off okay is that okay sure great so uh, let me introduce Mr. Arvin Singh to you Arvin is our new vice president for strategy and communications at Shore Regional Health Mm -hmm. he's been in the role since June of this year and he is Patty Willis's successor so Uh very good her her legacy on at Shore that's a
3: big shoes to fill Uh I'm sure you know that already
13: Yes, indeed. Patty, Patty did a great job over the month of June of this year orienting Arvin to the shore and to the five counties that we serve. Arvin has hit the ground running.
2: Very
13: good. He's got many, many talents. One of the things that I'm most impressed with is his timing capabilities. He, he left his, predest- his former job in Louisiana to come to Maryland, and his timing was perfect because of the half a dozen storms that are rolling through yeah. Louisiana this year. Yeah. So, well done. Wow. Good timing. We're very very pleased to have Arvin here. He's an intelligent young man. He knows social media and is very savvy in that arena, and is really great at strategy too. So he's going to help yeah. us execute on a lot of our plans here at Shore. So very good. I wanted to take it a minute to introduce Arvin to you. If you've got any questions, I'm sure he can answer them for you. What's your What's your background? What? what?
8: Yeah. So I'm actually originally from Indiana. My background's in business. Uh-huh. Um, I have an MBA and a master's in public health and a few other. Uh, accomplishments in terms of my uh, academic record. But professionally I've been a chief operating officer and I've been in healthcare for quite a long time. So,
13: Excellent. Very good. Great,
8: Great meeting you guys and good I job. look forward
12: to working with
2: you.
13: Welcome Thank you Thanks, hey, Thanks for coming, Arvin. Thanks. Coming, Arvin. Thanks. And uh, he'll stay outside and critique my performance oh, yeah. today. <laughs> to, to <laughs> you know what I could do I I better. Read. So, okay to take this off now? Yep. yep. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, uh-huh. excellent. Right. Okay. <laughs>
2: Okay. So wait a minute, before we start, yeah I, I just I, I just got to say congratulations everyone here doesn 't know Ken married his best friend last Saturday. Ah, which, sure uh, did this Mindy Saturday. and, and uh, I just want to say congratulations <laughs> to you and uh, many, many years.
13: Thank you, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Thank you. I like Saturday was a beautiful day and, and the beauty outside and the beauty of the ceremony uh-huh. was not uh, exceeded by my new bride's beauty. She, oh. is, she is phenomenal. And just when you find someone that makes you a better person. Oh, wait, is she watching? Is only, she's watching.
1: Only, I don't know if she's watching. <laughs> this, is that, this is that. <laughs> less
11: than a week married. That's the kind of stuff goes on. Give it two, three years. It'll be. There you go.
13: Yeah. No, thank you for that. that I appreciate wonderful. it. It was a beautiful day and I'm uh, looking forward to uh, many, many years of <laughs> happiness with her. Thank you. Um, I appreciate the time, too, and I know you're a little behind schedule, so I'll be quick because we also want to celebrate today with you. And uh, I think what's really neat about today's presentation is that uh, we're now 10 years in to the emergency center in Queen Anne's County. It's hard to believe, but it's been 10 years since we've been in operations in the emergency center. So I believe we're gonna do a proclamation. Mm-hmm. And everybody in this room knows that you don't have the kind of successes that we've had without great leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and we're so blessed to have Dr. Jane Wong as our chief medical director for Queen Anne's emergency center. Every time I think I go in the center, Dr. Wong is there as the physician provider there. And, and we're in great hands with her leadership and her skills. Mary Alice Van Hoy, who is our, her right hand and the administrative nursing lead at the emergency center, has just been there since the very beginning, and has just done a phenomenal job for us. I, I can't share with you how important the emergency center and the medical office building is to all of Shore Regional Health. And you know what's really cool, too, about the emergency center? It's now a model that's starting to be adopted by other parts of the state because they recognize the benefits and successes there. One specifically in Cambridge, which we're working on as we speak. So we're creating a freestanding medical facility there. There's another one in Harford County. There's another one in southern Maryland and on the lower eastern shore that's being put into place. So we've proven the model works. We've got the right providers and the right plan, and it, uh, it's going to be ex- extended throughout the rest of the state. So I'm very pleased to share our 10-year anniversary with you tonight and uh, look forward to another dozen, uh, 25, 30 years of future health care in Queen Anne's County. Very good. So I'm very pleased. Uh, if I could, I'll just segue real quickly to COVID. I know that seems to be – it's a lot on our minds. We spent a lot of our time talking about COVID and preparations. And I think the last time I was here, I shared with you the whole background as to what we did to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And all of that remains true. It's all still about it's – it's about um, how much um, surge planning can you do? Are you prepared for the surge? Do you have the staffing? Do you have the supplies and PPE? And do you have the equipment to manage this, this pandemic? I'm, I'm very pleased to say that since its inception back in, in March of this year, we have been able to manage COVID on the, on the midshore region very, very successfully. Fast forward to today, we, we are only seeing less than 10 patients a day inpatients in, in all three of our hospitals total. So single digits of inpatients in our hospitals. And that's, that's been very recently. That's been over the last couple of months. These are
2: COVID patients? or
13: COVID-positive patients in our hospital. So we've only seen less than 10 patients a day on average.
2: And how many of the 10 are staying overnight?
13: That's a great question. Most of them are. Most of them have COVID. So they're taking that three, five, seven-day treatment in the hospital before they're discharged safely to home. Okay.
12: So, so, the, so the population in the hospital of COVID is
13: what? It's, I mean- today, it's, it's four patients. Three in our Eastern facility, one in our Chestertown facility.
11: I thought you were getting ten a day, and they
2: were yeah, staying. You, you no, that's
11: the, that's the average o- overall. It's, now you see the point, I, right, Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's That'd me. be seventy in the hospital in a week. That's
13: no, no, how no, that's no, 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 okay. no, no. These are just the number, average number of inpatients that we've seen per day. Is I, know, a, is I guess we were asking digits.
2: out of those, out of those, average of ten a day, how many of them have to be hospitalized?
13: We are hospitalizing three to four patients total a day per day and that's not successive because we've got discharged and new patients coming in we've yeah. so sometimes we're at 7 sometimes we're at 2 okay. but on average we're we're only seeing about for four 3, three hospitals yeah, for so 3 hospitals discharging four day too. exactly yeah. so the numbers are pretty stable at single digits though how many of them are ventilators that's series? that's yeah. the great question that's the other piece early on many were on ventilators right. and being cared that way but as the disease has progressed we've advanced our our treatment to the tune of you know less than 20% 10% or on ventilator. Is that ventilator. an
12: age related or a, or a technology it, question?
13: It, it's, really, uh, it's really how we've been able to manage patients that have reduced the need to put patients in our intensive care unit and on ventilator support. So, fortunately, we're testing more. We're catching uh, COVID early, earlier positive, and then being able to treat faster and more effectively to prevent that inpatient unit care and that ventilator care. Now that's not everybody. We still have a few. you know, five, 10 percent of the patients are, are in the ICU, but nowhere near the numbers that we saw originally, and, and certainly nowhere near numbers that you've heard about throughout the rest of the country. So we're, bottom line is we're managing the disease well. We've got a surge plan in place in the event that we're going to peak again, which if you watch the news, everyone's talking about that next peak coming in the fall. Uh And and we believe it's true. We also believe that the flu is going to have some impact on our inpatient population. It always does every single year. (coughs) So when you compound the flu with COVID, we're going to expect an increased number of patients there to treat. But we're prepared. We're prepared for that inevitability. We've got a surge plan in place. We've tested that plan a number of ways. And uh, we've got the staffing plan to be able to uh, increase that surge as well. PPE and uh, all of the ventilator support that we need or the equipment that we might need, being part of the University of Maryland medical system, has given us increased capacity to manage our patients on the shore. So overall, we're we're, uh, cautiously optimistic that we've gotten through a significant portion of COVID. We anticipate another surge. We're prepared for that surge as best we can be, and we're going to ride it out. So the the biggest thing that we're also trying to experience today is is the impact on flu. And if I could tell your audience anything, I would ask for some things like, please get your flu shot. Please maintain social distancing. Please continue to wear your mask everywhere uh, and follow the guidelines there. And please wash your hands frequently. Those are things that we can do to reduce flu. We can reduce COVID impact as well on flu and uh, keep our, our doors open for our inpatients and for our emergency department patients. So that's the public service announcement for today and an update on COVID. Any questions about COVID and how we're managing that moving forward?
12: Sure. Um, given that you do have social distancing and a lot of schools closed, I would imagine that upper respiratory and and uh, flus would actually be down, probably. And what effect do you think that has on the primary care guys, on the system, uh, Question one, I'm going to give you a couple of three here. Okay. Just just so you've got something queued up. Gotcha. Uh, Urgent care on Ken Island, because that would be its business. Where are you with that? So I'll leave
13: that. Okay. So you're absolutely right. Uh, We anticipate that because of masking, uh, because And hopefully the flu vaccine will be effective this year, as it's been in years past. That may reduce the amount of impact that flu has on our system. So we're hoping that that's the case, as long as people keep adhering to the guidelines. Um, so that may have a positive effect on primary care, and our, on our emergency department, and our inpatient department. That remains to be seen. But that's what we're anticipating at this time, is that because of the COVID precautions, we're going to manage the flu a little better this time around. But that remains to be seen. Um, as far as urgent care, and you're absolutely right, uh, uh, Commissioner. Um, what we've got is a, a plan at this point um, to to consider putting urgent care here in Queen Anne's County, and we're working that plan. Um, but as you can imagine, with COVID, um, one of the uncertainties that has come from COVID in the healthcare world is our financial status as a system. Just like any other business around, we are impacted by the revenues. Uh, that were generated from COVID. There were much less in the hospital business because less patients went to their primary doctors initially, less tests, less emergency department visits, and certainly less operating room procedures, all for the first several months of, of COVID. Um, so that had an impact on our finances. And even though there were federal subsidy, subsidies to offset those losses, uh, we're still very concerned about what the future finances of our healthcare system look like, not just at Shore, but also part of the University of Maryland medical system. So we are continuing to move forward, though, with the plan, but we have to be cautious about the financial implications because we're going to invest seven figures in this new urgent care center, and we want to make sure that we understand the financial implications before we dive in deep. Plus there's a couple of approvals that we have to go through to get the the support and the funding to be able to do that. So we're working the plan. Our intent is to continue to work that plan as fast as we can, uh, and I will keep you posted as soon as we know that we've got the green light when and where and when and, and how. So we're, we're gonna keep working that plan. Sir, I'm watching. I, I know you are, I know you are, Commissioner, and it's the right, but it's the right thing. And I think what we all know is it's the right thing to do for the Eastern Shore. We've proven it works. We've got an urgent care center in Denton. We've got an urgent care center in Easton. We see over 45 patients a day in those centers. That supplements primary care, that, that keeps patients out of our emergency department unnecessarily, so it really does work. We know that. And it's just a matter of dotting the I's and crossing the T's, I think, on this one, just to make sure we understand. Let me ask,
12: so I understand the uh, urgency of the situation, did the CARES money balance out what you lost on
13: the... uh, it, It certainly didn't cover all of the revenue associated with what we lost, but it did help.
12: It, it certainly I mean, obviously, three cents had helped, but I mean, substantially helped. It
13: substantially helped, absolutely. But that, that funding uh, has pretty much ceased since uh, the end of last fiscal year, the end of June of, of this year. And right. we haven't received very much in the form of funding for this year.
12: What's the <laughs> gossip about what the future stream is going to be? Because this thing is going to go for... I a long, long time
13: here. I think that's what we're anticipating, Commissioner, is that this is not going to be a, uh, January, get a vaccine and be done with it and go back to normal uh, d- illness. And uh, so we're prepared to ride this out, likely through the bulk of calendar year 21. Um, we anticipate that he, we, we know that many of the population probably won't take the vaccine, even though it becomes available for COVID. So. We have to factor all of that into how we're going to care for patients. No, I
12: certainly take that point, but is this something where we ought to be working with lobbying to, to continue the
13: hospital? Yeah, I think funding support is critical for hospitals so that they can keep doors open. And, well, I
12: take your point, and we're here to help you in that regard. Absolutely. you know,
13: I, I think uh, the, the state is fortunate, though, with our reimbursement model that the HSCRC and, and the Maryland Healthcare Commission are put into place to help us weather storms like this uh, pretty well without needing to close hospitals. Uh, and they've given us the tools to transition our, our systems into freestanding medical facilities or emergency centers so that we can be more cost-effective but still provide the care that's necessary in the community. So I, I think all of this is working well together, and we should be able to weather this storm uh, with our commissions, with our agencies, and with our health healthcare system the way it is in Maryland.
12: One more question Yes, you, sir. sir.
13: Um, the observation beds. Yes, sir. You're checking off everything on my list. We're, we're in sync today. Uh, so the observation beds, That was those beds are designed to keep our patients in Queen Anne's County uh, if they need observation care instead of putting them in an ambulance and taking them to Easton for overnight care and then eight times out of ten being discharged back to Queen Anne's County. Um, we are continuing to care for observation patients in our emergency center. Now, there are some criteria that we have to follow to make sure it's the right type of observation patient. And we've got a room available. We don't want to fill our patients' beds with observation patients and not be able to see our emergency patients because they're in there for 24 hours So we, at least. So we've got to make sure we've got beds available. We've got to make sure that it's the right type of, of observation patient that we can see uh, safely and effectively. But we are. We're seeing those patients, we're treating those patients, and discharging them from our, our Queen Anne's emergency so you're center. You're
12: saying from a definitional point of view, at this point, we now do have
13: observation beds. We, we, we are still, what I would call, still quote-unquote in a pilot study. Mm-hmm. So I want to be clear, it's not a, flip, a, a switch that we flipped just yet, but right. every indication that we've seen through that pilot study is that it, it's an opportunity for us to keep those patients in Queen Anne's, and it's working. The patients that we're seeing in Queen Anne's Emergency Center and observation status, again, for the most part, are being discharged from our emergency center here, and that was the true intent. Keep them in Queen Anne's, treat them safely, discharge when appropriate. Um,
12: cardiac unit. Okay. Uh, we got on alert a bit because of that. Any remarks?
13: Uh, are, uh, the, I'm not following you yet, Commissioner, I'm sorry. Uh,
12: the alerts. The red it. alerts? Yes.
13: Uh, okay. So, yes, um, one of the things that we've experienced with COVID is some challenges with staffing. Uh, in a normal day, uh, we've got staffing, we've got beds, we can fill those beds with patients and take care of them safely. With COVID, what we've experienced, though, is, guess what, a lot of our team members may either have family members or relatives that they have to care for because they have COVID. They may have COVID themselves and be, or need to be quarantined because they've been exposed, so some of our staffing has been drained, if you will, because of COVID. So when you've got uh, limited staff to begin with, and then you've got staff that's impacted by COVID, we usually have less than we need to fill the beds. And we've experienced that, and that is not unique to sure. This is happening all over the state and all over the country. We've supplemented that staff with agency and overtime and all of that, but there's only so many resources to go around. And when we don't have enough resources to safely care for our patients, at times we need to go on red alert we need to basically say that we don't have any monitored beds in our inpatient hospital facilities. So that doesn't really impact Queen Anne's emergency center because that will remain open and they'll continue to see patients. But if somebody needs to be transferred to a, a monitored bed in our inpatient unit, uh, we might be compromised to do that. So we go on alert, we take a pause, we make sure that we are able to safely care, we, take, we come off of alert, and then we can open our, our beds for those patients again. Uh, at times, we are challenged with that. Uh, but again, that's not unique, and our intent is to get off of red alert as quickly as possible so we can maintain uh, open beds for our community. But we have struggled with that, and it is in large part before COVID. If you look back at the data before COVID, we actually have done an incredibly great job at reducing red and yellow alert hours at Shore. But COVID has been the catalyst to get us back up a little bit. But we're, we're on it, we're monitoring it, and uh, uh, we're intending to uh, get off of those alerts when we need to be on them as quickly as possible. And Very good. I think you got it all. You really did cover all my agenda <laughs> items. Well done. So, so how do you want to do the proclamation? Do we want to? What I was thinking is if you could remain where you are, we could probably bring our team in sure. and kind of have a yeah. webbed effect, kind of background effect, and get all of us in the picture with a proclamation. Uh, and, well and that way,
2: and we'll read them when they come in.
13: Is that okay? Yeah,
11: absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Can I go get them? Yes. Yeah. Yes, all please. Right. Thank you. Right. Come on.
0: Mary Alice. Alan Howdy. is in Tab Six, Item Two.
13: Everybody. Good to see you. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hey, can you tell us. Uh, you want us to. Um, is that it? That we
14: sort of intersperse people so okay. that we can.
13: How about if I stand over here? Yep.
14: And then we've, like,
11: the stand we've actually the we'll, we'll walk up behind. Room. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, that's what oh. we've been doing. Hey, hey, hey. You, yeah, we've been exchanging germs for six months now. They're all the same germs. There you, there you go. There you go.
3: So we want to do the photo out first and then the yeah. proclamation after? Okay. All ready?
14: Would it be nice to
0: get somebody to hold the proclamation up? Yeah. We'll
8: put it down here. We can't
0: to put one more person in front. nice No? Just for the folks out there, this is the Queenstown Emergency Center 10 year anniversary proclamation. So, congratulations. <laughs> All right, everybody's looking
14: at me.
2: There we go. All right. Commissioner Dumineau is going to do the, you're the you're honors. Undertaker's it.
3: It in. <laughs> uh, Proclamation, Queenstown Emergency Center, 10-year anniversary. <laughs> Whereas the University of Maryland Shore Emergency Center at Queenstown opens its doors 10 years ago on October 4, 2010. Whereas the the Queenstown Emergency Center came into being thanks to the collaborative efforts of Shore Regional Health with the University of Maryland Medical Systems, Maryland State Emergency Officials, Queen Anne's County Government Officials, and community leaders. And whereas Queenstown Emergency Center was created primarily to meet the emergency care needs of Queen Anne's County residents, but thanks to its convenient location just off of Route 50, close to the Bay Bridge, it is truly a regional facility now servicing approximately 16,000 patients Mm -hmm. per year. Whereas the Queenstown Emergency Center has received a range of patients from those that are treated and released to seriously ill or injured patients who need inpatient care, which more than 800 annually are transferred from ambulance or helicopter for hospital admissions depending on the patient's needs. And whereas the Queenstown Emergency Center has an extraordinary team of emergency physicians, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, nurses, med techs, nurse techs, radiological and laboratory staff that are supported by outstanding teams of professional security patient access uh, environmental services, IT, maintenance, and the Queen Anne's County Department of Emergency Services and EMS that have kept the center running effectively and efficiently 24-7, 365 days a year over the past decade. And whereas the Queenstown Emergency Center also has a group of passionate community advocates who have supported every step over the past 10 years from the creation of Shore Emergency Center at Queenstown to providing ongoing volunteer and fundraising support. The Queenstown Emergency Center, when newly opened, represented a new model of emergency care and over the past decade has become the principal provider of comprehensive health care services for more than 170,000 residents of Caroline County, Dorchester County, Kent, Queen Anne's, and Talbot counties on the Maryland's Eastern Shore. Now, therefore, we, now, therefore, be it resolved that we, the Board of Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, declare October 4th, 2020, to be the University of Maryland Shore Emergency Center at Queenstown Day in Queen Anne's County and recognize more than 2,200 employees, medical staff, board members, and volunteers whose diligence and professionalism that have kept the organization mission of creating healthier communities together, signed by the five county commissioners. Very nice. Chris.
15: Thank you. And here you go. You very
11: much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
15: Thank you all.
10: Thank you. Don't want to see
15: That's right. Uh uh-uh. No.
10: See you later.
2: Take care. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Ken. Good to see you. All right. You want to run in and just do Scott right now? Yeah. Sure.
0: Next, we have uh, Scott Haas, our Director of Emergency Services, for his uh, Department of Emergency Services update. Scott, good
2: morning. Hey, what's going on?
0: They came in with an escort tonight, huh? Now you're doing your presentation right now. Hey, now. How you doing, Mr. Wheatley?
2: Friend right there.
10: So, commissioners, we have an extremely brief update to give you. Okay. I have two division chiefs that wanted to personally give their updates because they're very proud of what their divisions are doing right now. So I'm going to turn the floor over to Mr. Scott Wheatley. One and we're going right to play now. musical chairs, and Jim's going to hop into my spot.
8: Good okay. evening, commissioners. How are you? Thank you for having us. Good Um, unlike the sign you hung on my desk, I am not out to lunch, sir.
10: Okay.
15: (laughs) Uh,
8: I want to thank you all before I get into this, as you know, since about March 12th, the professional paramedics and EMTs, as well as our combination volunteer support services has had a challenge. We're not able to work from home. We're not able to telework. We still have to answer the calls and you guys have given us great support. We have our PPE. We're wearing PPE every day. I chuckle when I hear people say the masks are too hot on us because until you've worn everything with a gown for hours and hours, you don't appreciate it. So thank you for your continued support for our department. You have your third quarter statistics. Everything started bumping back up to about normal realm. You know, the second quarter fell off just as Mr. Kozell talked about. COVID did affect that. People were scared to go to the hospital. We also saw some other bad outcomes because of that. People wouldn't seek care soon enough, and our critical cares, as you were pointed out, continued during second and third quarter. Our staff performed 5,075 procedures in uh, the third quarter of 2020 and gave 2,183 medications and did a heck of a good job with everything that was happening. I was proud to announce to you that for the third year in a row, we exceeded and achieved Mission Lifeline Gold, which is prompt recognition of heart attacks, prompt transmission of those heart attacks to hospitals, and getting those patients to the hospitals as quickly as possible to get that tertiary care. And the goal of that was to reduce morbidity or mortality, and we succeeded in that again. And I hope next year I'm coming back to tell you we're getting it again. We are continuing doing quality improvement with our QA group and our training group. Um, to achieve that and to just continue giving outstanding care to the citizens and visitors of Queen Anne's County. We took delivery of the two CARES ambulances. Thank you, Commissioner Moran. <clears throat> I want you to know that they were fully loaded. Two brand new ZOLEX monitors to go with that. You know our cardiac equipment is very expensive, but this is one less cost, hopefully, as far as the cardiac monitor part, not the AEDs, that we're now looking at the taxpayer's you know, this is a, we're being good stewards of the money. The the stretchers they have been out. They have been uh, started to do uh, the mobile testing with the COVID testing. And what we anticipate is this going to ramp up once the immunizations come available, as well as influenza. Um, I'm very proud of these units. The group, the work group, worked very hard to get this in a quick time. As you know, we were on a very tight uh, time schedule, and the group did an excellent job to do that. With our community outreach, we've been restricted, obviously, with COVID, so we've been doing the best we can. Uh, We're going to pump out some more videos. We've done another education on the gold award, and uh, hopefully with uh, Queen Anne's Television's assistance in the near future, as well as Commissioner Wilson, we're going to be pumping out the cardiac video to replace the old video and to update a new trauma video on Stop the Bleed. We figure if we can keep getting these videos out, it's one way we can educate the public without the risk of the COVID Uh, dilemma that we're uh, facing each day. So, we're going to keep doing what we're doing with that, and we're going to keep that know-us-before-you-need-us approach to the community. We want the public to know us before we show up at their door for an emergency. And finally, what's coming? Well, we know that the health department has already reached out to us. We're going to be assisting with the vaccinations. There's no way, with the demand of that, that the health department's going to be able to do it on our own. So, our paramedics are going to be out assisting with that. We are also... COVID testing. Yours truly is COVID testing almost every day of the week, at least one or two people, uh, as well as backing up the health department. Uh, We will continue to do that, and I promise you that our professionals will keep doing their job with good hearts and serving the public with the best interest and the best uh, assistance to the public of Queen Anne's County. And we're going to start working on our budget when that comes our way. We know it's going to be a challenge for all of us, but we're going to be good fiscal stewards of that. And at that time, I'm going to start to back off because Jim is going to get the reins and I'll answer any questions that you may have. I'm ready. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, sir. So I know we're. Yeah, let me ask you before you go <laughs> one quick
6: feel bad, you go bad for you. <laughs> Yes, sir.
12: <laughs> Just to clarify, the sort of worn. Monitors, cardiac monitors that were on the ambulances that were going to get replaced—are they done or not? They are. They are. They,
8: are. they came with the uh, delivery of the new ambulances. They're brand new Zoexes. We're already approaching our tenth year with Zoex, which is amazing that it's been ten years since really? the first purchase. Oh. So after ten years, you got to start at replacing them, and we were able to get two of those with this. So, oh. is there anything you need? We're coming back soon with AD's request just to finish the ADs, which is an ongoing project, but. That's a little bit. Thank you.
16: Sir, so I know you're running behind, so I will try to be as quick as possible. So right now um, we have three big projects going on, two of which uh, DS is the sponsor of. One of them is the Tyler Technologies and the other is the AT&T. So with Tyler, for the last year we've had an RFP on the streets and we've been uh, grading it and We kind of got a little bit backwards here, but uh, shortly we'll be coming before you to ask for some money to purchase a new CAD system. Um, This new CAD system will replace a 20-year-old system that is well antiquated and extremely out of date uh, with modern technology. Uh, It's going to take on a public safety approach, so we'll have Fire EMS, the Office of the Sheriff, Centerville Police Department, and um, the Detention Center able to link in with interfaces so that we can exchange information. So as the Sheriff or the Centerville PD should arrest somebody, once they start the information, it goes right on over to the jail and they can pick it up and finish up instead of duplicating efforts and uh, wasting a lot of time. Mm. It also comes with a very nice mobile platform, so our Fire and EMS um, will have mapping. We'll be able to see the information as soon as the 911 center is typing it in, they'll be getting the information on the mobile data terminals. Um, everything is on the Apple iOS or Android Windows Windows server, so we're, we're making sure that we're sticking with the modern technology. Like I said, that'll be coming up with in just a little bit. The other is Next Generation when You've heard us talk about this for a little bit. Queen Anne's took the lead on this. Uh, I thought the director was going to kill me a year ago when I decided to stand to the plate and say Queen Anne's would take the initiative and we would take the lead on this. But uh, a year later, um, Queen Anne's and ESCA has published an RFP. We have given our letter of intent to award to AT&T. All nine counties have agreed to come on board with this from Cecil all the way down to Worcester. Um, you will have us going before the numbers board in two days to ask for the funding for this at about 1.5 million so hopefully next meeting we will have a very favorable outcome and you will be voting on that um we should there is our letter of intent and then special construction so everything will be covered within special instruction of uh, construction the blue line and the red line is uh, from maryland broadband to put in uh, fiber so that we have a uh, diversity, So it's going to be a Verizon and Mountain Broadband AT&T uh, joint venture. I can't say too much more since we haven't signed a contract, but that's as, as much as I can get right now. But if you, you know, need some more information, we can talk privately until the contract's signed um, because of the NDAs. And then the third project is a, it's a DPW project, but it's one that affects uh, DES, and that is having the HVA system and a complete overall of the 911 center. If you notice the picture on the left of the kind of center, that was the old support garage, which is right off to the left of the building as you uh, come into the uh, campus. That's what it was back in July, and as of September 15th, it is a fully functional, fully operational 911 center. We didn't lose any positions or any capabilities, and I have to uh, give a special thanks to uh, Paul Kirst and his team. They did a wonderful job. Um, When we first talked about it, we kind of had envisioned... And what he turned over to us is incredible. It's it's extremely nice building. It's it's the dispatchers are very happy, and um, we're very pleased with it. I do want to go back to this one just for one second, if you give me just. A, I want to. There's a couple of, I want to thank on this one. Mr. Jeff Frank from the Treasury's office. He worked very hard with us, representing Queen Anne's County, and um, as the lead procurement, uh, since we were the lead, everything went through our procurement office, and uh, he was instrumental on in that. Also, want to thank Mr. Pat Thomas um, for the contracts. Going back and forth to make sure that uh, we have the language exactly right. Um, I believe we have the master contract just about ready to go. Um, there's one more thing that uh, the numbers board has asked us to put in, and um, see, I think that is pretty much it on the thanks. I just want to make sure I don't miss anybody. And on this one, I want to thank uh, our IT team and DS, which is uh, Chief Lopez, Patrick Dillon, Christine. I can never remember her last name, and I apologize, Christine. <laughs> And Jason Smith from IT, they worked very hard, and Tony Clare, on running fiber out here, getting everything from the radio system out so that we can stay fully functional. We never lost capabilities at any time. We never had to uh, shoot anything to another county. We were staying fully functional 24-7 during the week. And last, what's up next? So as I said, we want to secure the contract with AT&T for next-gen services. It's a five-year contract with an option of five years to renew. This is 100% paid by the now, it's called the Maryland 911 Board, which was formerly the Merchant Number Systems Board. Uh, we are currently have a new H- HVAC system going in, and we're gonna start with uh, FY22 budget. Uh, this year it was cut, but we're gonna try again. With all the increased revenue fees that we're seeing, and with the Maryland Numbers Board and Mission Critical Staffing Study, we're slightly understaffed, and we would like to, to work on getting our staffing up to meet their standards. And then we're going to continue to strive and serve the, provide the best customer service that we can with the ever-changing needs of COVID and everything else that's going on in the county and the growing population.
10: And we're open for questions.
2: No. Except for Mr. Wilson. <laughs> Got any questions?
12: Um, for once now.
2: Really? Oh, wow. Okay. We'll be back
10: with uh, two We'll stay here. Just stay while, there. We're, while, we're, while these guys are here, if yeah, you want, we have yeah, two action
0: items. Since you're all here and have a few folks here, let's hit those two items. Commissioners, if you want to go to tab three. Yeah, back number to tab nine. Three. Uh, first, we have number nine, tab three, on page uh, 44. We have the International Academy of Emergency Dispatch, quality assurance, and improvement. Can I get a motion on that? This is for um, some services here for quality assurance. Um, tab three. Item 9, page
11: 44. Mm. I move to authorize Director of the Department of Emergency Services to execute a contract with International Academies of Emergency Dispatch to provide 911 call review and quality assurance totaling $70,200 for one year.
2: Second. Second. We have a motion and a a second. Is there any discussion? So I guess I'm going to ask that question.
10: Uh, Why? 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 Why do we need this? So, uh, for one, by COMAR regulations, Title 12, we're really? required to have a quality assurance program. We currently meet the COMAR uh-huh. Title 12, and we do have a quality assurance program. Uh, what this will do is what we're doing basically on a daily is pulling a supervisor out of the dispatch room and putting them into a private room, and they put a headset on, and they listen to calls. And do quality assurance on calls instead huh. of supervising the staff on the floor and assisting with calls. So, what this will do, we'll put our quality assurance program and our quality improvement program under the contractor who we actually contract to do our three disciplines within the dispatch room. And that'll put the supervisor back into the room supervising the call volume and actually answering 911 and dispatch. Huh. okay. Any other discussion?
2: All right. Seeing none, we're, we're moving to authorize the Director of the Department of Emergency Services to execute a contract with the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch to provide a 911 call review and quality assurance totaling $70,200 for one year. All those in favor signify by saying aye.
0: Aye. Aye.
2: aye. aye. Opposed? So moved. All
0: right. Thank you, Commissioners. And then item number 10 is the uh, computer-aided dispatch records management system and mobility public safety solution uh, replacement of our CAD system. This is... a. Uh, an RFP that was submitted and reviewed by a committee um, headed up by DES, and we have a few members of the committee here. And this is for the new CAD system hardware. Uh, the bid came in uh, $1.398824 million to replace our system out there. So can I get a motion on that? I move to authorize the Director of Department of Emergency
12: Services to execute a five-year contract with Tyler Technologies to provide software, hardware, and support for new CAD RMS and Mobility Public Safety Solution in the amount of $1,398,824. Second.
2: We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye.
10: Aye. Aye. Opposed?
2: So moved. Thank you very much.
10: Thank you, Commissioner. Yep. Have a great evening.
2: evening. Thank
0: you very much. Good to see you. All right. All right. Okay, since we're totally off script, do you want to go ahead and do legislation right now since uh, we have uh, our sure. uh, new Director of Planning and Zoning here? I think she may be asking, presenting a few items here. So if you want to go to, that would be seven. tab 7. First up, we have um, we have an amendment to County Ordinance Number 20-08. And this goes oh. to... You know, I think before we, you want to have a little explanation on this amendment and Amy, the, uh, why don't you come on up? And, and, yep. we had a hearing on this.
2: Yeah, we've had discussions um, about this, uh, this ordinance twenty 8 oh eight, and I guess we're going to open it up to all the guys here uh, <laughs> to basically ask what what their concerns concerns are. But first, I think if you can try and explain what this ordinance does, why we're doing this, and some of the parameters of it.
17: Sure. So this ordinance is specific to all of the agritourism, not all of the agritourism, but alcohol-related agritourism industry in the county. And uh, what we did was we studied, well, first of all, we started with our code because we have to be consistent with our own code and our own comprehensive plan. (coughs) We compared our provisions, our standing provisions, to all of the jurisdictions in the state. And where we landed, um, with some guidance from the Maryland Department of Agriculture's um, Governor's Intergovernmental Committee on Agriculture's subcommittee that studied (laughs) agritourism, (laughs) Um, they created a model definition Of agritourism, and they created parameters uh, for a model ordinance. So we looked at that too. So, what we ended up doing was folding our standing provisions in the code. We currently have two provisions, two definitions, I should say, in the code that fall under the definition of agriculture. Agriculture is a permitted use in the agricultural district, of course, and in the countryside district. Agriculture is a conditional use in most other districts, but what we're talking about is agritourism in the ag district and the countryside. Um, So uh, what we have right now is a definition of farm brewery and a definition of winery. What we don't have is anything in our code that identifies provisions for a distillery. So currently, as agriculture, by definition, a winery and a farm brewery are permitted uses and could be subject to site plan review depending upon the size of the operation, the floor area of the affiliated structures, or their location along Route 50. So that's where we currently sit. So operate, um, any application that comes in today prior to this amendment as a microbrewery is considered a permitted use in the agricultural district and must hold the state license, liquor license, for a farm brewery. And then all of those provisions that are applicable are, are currently applicable to a farm brewery. Same is true for a winery. Um, What we looked at is the level of intensity of this particular agritourism use. We felt uh, merited a conditional use categorization because of the consistency with our um, standing permitted uses and purpose statements in both the ag district and the countryside district, and other affiliated conditional uses in each district. Generally, when commerce is happening on the property and activities go beyond ag production um, in terms of tilling and um, planting, harvesting, uh, when activities go beyond that scope in general, not 100%, but in general, They are are conditional uses in these districts. We felt that because there is a production facility on site, because by license there's um, an ability to have a retail component on site and a tasting room on site and um, the selling of refreshments And those are very specific depending upon which license you fall under. The farm brewery license is specific down to almost the menu items that are permitted. But because all of these things can happen, um, which would require parking and other infrastructure such as um, restroom facilities, we felt that this use was beyond the scope of a standard permitted use. Um, had much debate and input in the community with our planning commission members, and so this is where we felt, that an agricultural production facility would get its own sub-definition within the definition of agriculture. So it's still defined as agriculture. It's an accessory use to an agricultural production. Um, And within... A, an alcohol production facility definition. There is a farm brewery, a winery, and a distillery permitted in accordance with the state licensing provisions. And there is a requirement that um, at least two acres of product affiliated with that production facility be grown on site.
2: Where did that come from?
17: That came from...
2: I mean, is that from the state? Is what the, what the, your, the...
17: No, it, it came from some examples. It came from testimony during the planning commission's May um, application process and um, discussion, and it came from examples from other jurisdictions in the state of Maryland.
11: Any here on the shore?
17: Um. Probably not, Um, but there are limitations on the shore. But the two acres, I think the two acres specifically came from, let's see, I can tell you. So this was the chart that looked at all of the uses. And where you see um, uh, yellow font and gray font. And that kind of goes throughout. Each jurisdiction really deals with this so differently that it was hard to find something that was consistent. But the two acres comes from.
11: That's fine. Montgomery. I'm Henry. just more Somerset. I'm curious. If I it thought is. it
17: was Somerset, um, and it's not. Here it is. Um, washington county is one is one example okay so
2: um
17: but the point of doing that the point was of setting some percentage or some requirement is you have to document that it is a farm operation and that um the mic that the alcohol production facility is subordinate and supported by that farm so, because we don't have really a limit on how we define a farm, um, a farm could be um, any number of acres. There's not a minimum standard that all oh, farms in our community are going to be 10 acres or more. Um, so, we don't have that kind of. So somebody could
2: somebody could buy two acres in in an ag or countryside and call themselves a farm brewery.
17: If they meet the farm definition, yes.
2: Right. So I, I, I want to go back to this two acres of growing. Uh, I, I know there's other breweries all around us in other counties. If they're not using it, what was the the need to put it into ours? I mean, is there is there something that we were trying to accomplish with that or just trying to just tie it to saying, yes, hey, it is a farm. They're growing this, and this is what they're using for their distilling or wines or brewery?
17: Well, um in other jurisdictions, there is a specific definition of a farm that contains acreage, an acreage limit. And since we don't have that, um, we looked at some reasonable litmus test so that our inspectors and our plan reviewers had something to inspect to verify.
2: So, would it be easier for us to put an acreage limit versus growing? I mean, because I do hear this, that, you know, some of these things, some of these ingredients may be difficult to grow in our climates, our temperatures. And if we're looking for a description, do we want to say 50, 100 acres? I mean, you know, is, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking you. And, and, and in terms of that,
17: farm operation.
2: Excuse me? You
17: mean the set of, um, a minimum acreage for the operation itself?
2: Correct. I mean, if a farm is, you know, do we want to say that, you know, this can't be, It has to go on a a minimum of 100 acres to have one of these establishments? I I don't know. I'm just asking, you know, what what are some of the other options to that, if if that is an issue with the definition? Um, Speak freely.
17: In a way, I mean, what we would want to do is we would want to look at um, any operation that we have on the books and see what that acreage is because we don't want to create a nonconformity with a, an operation that's operating legally um, I think that I'll tell you what our line of thought was that led to this conversation through the planning commission and through that uh, two acre provision um, and not setting more limits we, we were walking this line of and our intention is to be supportive of agritourism and supportive of this specific industry um, and at the same time acknowledging the impacts on the neighbors, which is how we landed at a conditional use. Um, there might be a farm operation that is five acres where this type of facility is perfectly reasonable and is a very low impact to the neighborhood. There might be a very large farm, a 50-acre farm, where it's not appropriate for any yeah, but number that, of reasons, no, I, I,
2: and I, I understand that, but what does that have to do with the two acres of growing? I mean, I'm just—I'm—I'm I'm trying to go through one at a time here, just trying to see if there's another way about that. So, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess as commissioners, we could just strike the two acres of growing altogether, and just—I mean, I—I'm I, all for the—you know—the conditional use. Uh, For this, I I agree with what you're saying because there is going to be locations where this is not going to be feasible, and we want to help. We want to be able to control that. So, one doesn't have anything to do with really the other. The two acres are growing versus what you're talking about now. Okay, just just want to clarify that. All right, well,
11: no, and I don't disagree with the conditional use either because I actually live in a very unique situation where I could have a farm brewery at my house because I own five acres of agriculture adjacent to my house in a neighborhood, Really? so therefore I could open a farm brewery under a permitted use and meet all the requirements so that's why I do believe the conditional use because I do believe my neighbors should have some say on what I'm doing there <laughs> um, But so, so I, I do get that, I'm, I'm totally against any growing uh, requirements Requirement. at this point um, because, and well for several reasons and several that I've talked to uh, agricultural people and all that, and A is um, to take the products when you grow it uh, they, don't, they don't have the equipment on site to mill it, get it dried and put it in production at their breweries. Um, the, the expense for that equipment is just would just be astronomical and we're talking about trying to uh, give businesses a startup ability that, that is actually affordable and I think that would just kind of blow it out of the water if we made that requirement. I originally mm-hmm. thought about a phase in but then we have to monitor it, and we've got to, you know, go out and, and, and inspect all the time. And, and I think that's just an added cost. We don't need to add for something that's two acres, um, even if it is on a 100-acre farm or 10-acre uh, farm, whatever the case may be. Um but that being said, with a conditional use, obviously, um, we don't want to put the Board of Appeals in a situation where they have to subjectively figure out what is the conditional use for it. So I think... Before we did anything with that, that we should, uh, whether working with planning and zoning through the planning commission, has come up with what are those conditions we see. Whether it's like Jim said, this this is the minimum size. But but to put that out there so that whatever we put out there is clear cut. It's not subjective. There's you know we're not leaving loopholes there. Uh, we're in no rush to get this thing through right now. Um, so it's something I think we should work on and make right before we uh, you know put it out to the public and make it. The law. I mean, and and I don't think we should be more restrictive than the neighboring counties. Is the other point. I mean, we have a distillery up in uh, Kent County. that's doing very well. It, it actually basically uh, helped downtown Chestertown survive through COVID. It's you know in the last year and a half, it's done quite well. So, I just don't want to see us uh, prohibit that uh, that function here.
2: So, go ahead and explain a little bit about c- conditional use and and what would if there are any parameters in it that would, you know, help the the Board of Appeals in that?
17: Okay, and that's what I was explaining, was that we, in our attempt to be supportive of the industry, we did not include additional specific conditional use provisions for this use. And we didn't do that because we felt that the, the definitions and the connection to the liquor licenses, which are very prescriptive, um, were sufficient for...
2: Those licenses, they come from the state. They're not even our local <coughs> liquor board.
17: They're not, but the, <coughs> the, li- the applicant has to hold that license and those provisions are outlined in terms of what the... And we have to be cognizant of that because we, in effect, when we're permitting it, are going to have to monitor those promotional events um, that a tasting room, that's all connected to a site plan review, whether that's an administrative or a planning commission review. Um, since that all has to be taken into account in the application itself, we didn't include extra provisions. Um, I think what we tried to do is probably a condition might have been a, a percentage of growing or... Um, how you're going to substantiate that you have product on site and that you are a farm and that this is an enhancement to your farm, this um, alcohol production facility. So we grappled with that and decided to put it in the defining provisions. So we thought through definition and through licensing that we would be de facto creating um, specific conditions for this
2: use. Okay, well, I guess uh, f- for me personally, I, I, I'm a little cloudy on, you know, and I, what Jack just said is, you know, okay, this is a conditional use, so it goes in front of the Board of Appeals. And what are they going to, you know, who's, who talks the best, who's, who screams the loudest? I, I guess th- there should be something in there to regulate how many of these we have and how, you know, s- where we want them, where we don't want them. And, I, and I, I understand what you're saying with the zoning issue, but. I mean if it's going to be a conditional use there should be something there and I don't know what that state license requires I don't know what it says so
17: Well and it's the a couple points um, to take into account and that is there are many conditional uses that are specified that do not have specific conditions so there are any number of conditional okay. yep. uses
2: Right but that, it, so so going back
17: controlled I, in that manner I agree um, but there are general standards that do have to be met, and um, those do take into account the nature of the neighborhood and infrastructure. Um, so it's not to- completely arbitrary, um, and it's not in- the intention is not to listen to the squeakiest wheel at the, at the table, um, but the specific license is called out in the definition So, there is a direct connection to those um, parameters through connecting our definition to that state license, which has to be held. Now, there's been input from um, Grow and Fortify, uh, who testified at the public hearing about um, the possibility of that legislation changing in the near future. Um, So, it might be advisable for us to reference those specific class licenses without the um, specific uh, statute under which the licenses sit, although our language does include a provision that connects it to that language as it is updated from time to time. So, by definition, that application has to address those standards. Even though they're not ours. And the standards are um, not too onerous. I mean, they're not too difficult mm-hmm. to throw into a staff report. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs>
2: mm. Okay, well, where do we stand? Comments? No comments.
11: I just, I mean, it's been going on for a year now. I don't, I still don't feel like it's. I, I honestly, when this started a year ago, I was looking at just defining distillery much as we did winery and brewery and calling it a day, but now there's just a lot more in there that I, I, I'm not on board with it as it is. I'd like to see us go back and tweak it and get it right and make it so that it works, in my opinion. I, I, I mean, I, I think if you were to ask the
3: general public, you know, a question like, um, in your opinion, how many acres do you think would define a farm? Just the average person thats in that <coughs> isn't that doesn't own a farm. That just me before I became commissioner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how many acres do you think would constitute a farm? I think we'd be surprised that that ten wouldn't. They, if you said ten or five, <laughs> they'd go what? I just think um, to be able to to control this and really make it a um, a true farm ag uh, business that that the acreage be increased again. The, I just the public perception of a farm is much larger. Like you you drive down the road and and you travel for a couple minutes before you've reached you know somebody's property line. Uh, on some of these farms, I, I guess it is for me, and, and I think the component everybody has an opinion about a component of this, this this ordinance, and I think for me, I think it needs to be at least a minimum acreage.
2: Well, and again, you know, what what happens there is the zoning. So, you know, you're you're driving down that road. You're in the Ag District, Mm -hmm. and there's a small lot there. It's still the Ag District. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's actually a working farm, but it's in the Ag District. So, you know, it it falls under this uh, zoning for, you know, uh, a a brewery brewery, and an Ag Ag District. Uh, And I'm all for the Board of Appeals. My concern with the Board of Appeals is... We see it all the time, you know, you, you, I, I, and I'm still waiting to see it where they turn and say no to somebody, you know, and and that's not a knock on them, I, you know. I guess with the, what they're following and their parameters, but you know, every offset, every backset, every everything I see ever go to them, it gets passed, and you know what, and I, and I am concerned about that if if we are starting to put these. Uh, Businesses in areas that could be sensitive. I mean, because we've gotten back, we've been in this before when it came to weddings and wedding venues. And, you know, granted, this is a brewery. They're not, they're not supposed to be doing, well, they could be because the special events permit that they can get, they could do, how many is it? Six a year or is it? Six. Is it six Jack? Yeah. Six a year. So, I mean, you know, six times a year, you could have a real humdinger of a party going on at, at these locations and the neighbors you know it, it could cause a problem so that's that that's the need for i mean that's that's one added of the acreage. <laughs> well the added acreage you know even then a tra- sound travels pretty damn far on a farm you know when there's nothing else to buffer it but i don't know i just think that there should be some sort of parameters with this so that everybody knows going in and, and the input from the the community and, and i know like you said jack said this has been going for a while and I, and I did sit in on two of the planning commission meetings with this and I just think, yeah, you know, I agree with the, the growing issue. I just don't know if that's, doesn't have any teeth, and it, and it seems like it would be burdensome. So I don't know where we go from here. So, you know, unfortunately there's been a lot of work done, but it hasn't got us really to somewhere where we're all saying, yeah, that, that sounds like it makes sense. So does anybody want to move forward with 20-08
11: as it sits right now? No. Oh. So, I mean. But I think the best thing to do, Jim, is, Bring it up for a vote and vote it down, and then we can start the well, process. Well, it was never introduced. So we yeah, because we had a hearing.
3: That's well, that's
11: the, oh, we had a hearing,
0: but, the we, but We had the hearing on 2008. The original amendment.
11: ordinance has been introduced, and we've had a hearing on it. The amendment would have been an addition tonight, so we can vote on the original ordinance as it yes. sits and vote it down if you want. Yes. And then that right. kills it. And
2: well, I, I, so what is this going to do to anything that's pending if we turn this down right now? Nothing. <laughs> Okay, so uh, (laughs) what is it going to do, in your opinion, uh, you've heard the comments tonight, would it be better to amend this or would it be better just to vote it down? If we vote it down, it doesn't go away, just 2008 just doesn't get passed. So you need to have to start a new one? You
0: have to start start over, start fresh with a new well, it could just new be, build. I mean, the
11: legwork's been done, the research's been done. No, it would no, just no, be no, redrafting no. the language no, yeah. into a new ordinance and, and right. tweaking it however we, you know.
15: Mm-hmm. So you just got to reintroduce it and have another hearing. If we mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we'd have to right. do another we're hearing, we're right?
11: Have yeah, to do another exactly. Hearing.
2: So, if that's the motion you want to make, so
11: you want to kill, let's. Well, sorry. we can't make a motion to kill. We've got to vote to approve it and then just all vote against it. That's how <laughs> it works. Okay. So, all righty. So, I will make a motion to approve ordinance 2008. Second. A motion and a second.
2: Uh, is there any further discussion? Last words, Amy? Are you good?
17: <laughs> um, I guess, yes. So, as it sits, um, and I, I hear your statement, we started looking at a distillery and we've ended up here.
10: Mm-hmm.
17: Um, we could add a distillery definition to the code and keep marching along on the path that we're on then that would create a permitted use under the definition of agriculture. That does not create a conditional use or a need for specific provisions.
2: Right.
17: So I want to. I, make sure
2: don't, I don't know that we. I don't know if we want that. I mean, if, if a text, it's a permitted that'd be a text use,
0: amendment, right? That'd be a text amendment, but it would be a it'd be a permitted use. Correct. Right? Wouldn't so, be a conditional use. And and if
2: it's processed. a lot of that wouldn't go in front of the planning commission
11: the size of, of
17: the... Yeah, it would depend. It would, I, um, once
11: the size gets to a certain point, it would. Right. Correct. Yeah. It would so, depend.
17: on the, There would be a threshold where any project would go before the Planning Commission based on the square footage. And, but so, you
11: know what
2: happens. It's like the restaurants. It's 9,990 square feet, and two years later, I'm going to put a 1,000-square-foot addition on it, and three years later, I'm going to put a 4,000-square-foot, and it never goes in front of the Planning Commission. So, you know... The, I mean, I like personally. I like the conditional use portion of it. it. It's an extra layer, and 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 the I think that gets more public involvement because this other way, of conditional use, there is no public involvement. It's just hey, that wasn't there
11: yesterday, and it's here today. Right, permitted so, use. Right. Yeah, excuse if me. You go, if you go permitted use, right. yeah, it's just right. walk in, sign a permit, right. go. So
17: I, do, I wanted to be clear that. You weren't um, interested in seeing a permitted use. That you're interested in seeing another conditional use text amendment. I want to be clear on that. I
11: part. am. Is,
2: yeah, I is? am too. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Chris, you. I'm fine with that. Yep. So. Yep. Steve, are you good with that.
12: I a conditional acreage,
2: use. I'm an acreage guy. Yes. Okay. Good. And, and okay. You're so. You're
17: also interested in specific conditions under For,
2: that. Contract. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. So I mean that's all. So. So, okay, so any other discussion?
3: I mean, it it was certainly an issue that had to be addressed, clear back, when this whole thing first started. I mean, so I don't by any means think this was a waste of time. Um, It was needed, for sure. So now we have uh, uh, another starting point, if you will, and and then we'll we'll tweak it um, moving forward.
11: And much as Jim said about the Board of Appeals, uh, never turning one down is probably the first well, time since I, I I've been commissioner that we're <laughs> voting an ordinance down, by if the they, way. <laughs> if
3: they don't get them, if they don't, yeah, but just on a side note, if they, they pass, but I'm, it's always with conditions,
2: though. Well, uh, that's what we hope, but
3: that's what I'm saying, in, yeah. but not s- separate with your, your right. comment about... Sure. The appeals board and everything, just go in front of the appeals board. You'll be good. They're going to say okay. But, <laughs> but, that's, where always be, with conditions.
11: but that's where it becomes that's Joe, he's that. never had a no in there.
17: <laughs> <laughs> it's because staff doesn't let an application move forward unless right. it's complete.
2: Right. That's right. That's right. Okay. So there's no further discussion. We have a motion and a second to approve County Ordinance 20-08. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Opposed? I uh, think. Okay, so that thing's been shot five times and left in the gutter.
11: Yeah. Moving
2: on. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. And we'll, and we'll let you off the hook with the uh, the amendment for to 2008 too. We'll just we don't need to introduce
0: that. That's We don't need that. <laughs> Good seeing you, Joe. We just made Joe come here for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Until next
11: time, Thank
0: you. Right. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. All right. Thank you, Amy. Okay. All right, Commissioners, next we have um, 20-12, 20-12, and this is also available to be voted on, and this is for um, ethics complaint responses, changing that from 10 days to 30 days. We motion to approve Ordinance 20-12. Second. Yeah. have a motion and a second. Any discussion
2: on this? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed?
0: So moved. There we go. All right, thank you, commissioners. That's all we had for legislation tonight. We can return now to our new business action items. Tab three, item three on page seven, we have the uh, Department of Parks and Recreation capital project. They're recommending to contract with Long Fence to install new home run fencing with concrete mow strip at Route 18 Park under the Prince George's County public schools, uh, government contract.
3: Do we have some parks and recs here? No. We do not. I'm just curious why we're putting... We we put the homeroom fences up? In other words, they're just dilapidated, they're falling apart, they're rusting, is that... So we're just simply
2: replacing... The the furthest one back. This is the... Is this on the 90? I think it's on the... Is this on the big diamond, Phil? Did you notice... I believe so, yes. Let
0: me see here.
3: I, I don't. I'm not familiar with field one. I, I mean, I know there's 60-foot, there's 70s, there's 90s. I was just curious. So this is an existing fence that's just worn out its welcome? Exactly. Okay. Right. Yeah, this, mm-hmm. is, this, All this right. is a brand-new
2: fence. Uh, the poles, I believe, they were going to keep the poles, but it's right. a brand-new
0: fencing with a moat strip underneath of it. Yeah, and then also the, uh, the, the uh, mesh for fields one, two, and three, they're going to replace that as well So on, that, on this contract. Okay. All
3: right. Thank you.
0: Uh, Do we need a motion, right? Mm
3: Mm-hmm. I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to contract with Long Fence Company to install a new home run fencing with concrete most trips to replace existing home run fencing at Route 18 Park utilizing the Prince George's County Public Schools IFB003-18 pre-established government
12: contract.
2: (coughs) Second. We have a motion and a second. Discussion. Okay. I have discussion. If you turn to page 17, and this is my concrete hat on, the most strips. A most strip is 12 inches wide, 4 inches deep, and it's 420 square feet. It's 5.5 cubic yards, and they're charging $14,000. Because of ethics, I could do that for $4,000 and save the county $10,000. Todd, don't we have a program where if you save the county up to a certain amount of money, <laughs> is there a program like that that our friend Paul Comfort put into play? I believe there is. Yes, Commissioner, yeah. there is. But I'm just telling that's $34 a square foot for concrete. It's crazy. But I just want the public to be aware that's what it's costing us for a most strip because...
12: I don't this. think it does cost us that because I think you're right, and I think we ought to turn this contract down and rebid this son of a gun.
0: I'm all in on that. Okay, okay. yeah this was a this Back. was a this was a uh, piggyback off the. It price. is. That's, that's, was, that's like so
3: Long Fence went and got. Long Fence went and got the contract numbers and then included it into yeah, their Prince, George this is Prince County.
2: George's PG County. County. So yeah, Prince George's <laughs> County. so That's what they're paying. For. And the thing that really chops me is I've done work for Long Fence, and they were never. Ever. <laughs> I wasn't 25% close at, at, uh, at that number. So You got to negotiate better. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. word part was my brother-in-law. So. <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway, so.
11: All right, well, we've got a motion in a second. Bob well, I'm glad have... you brought that up, Jim. I mean, that's the kind of stuff, that the value that comes to the table up here is, is yeah. those kind of stuff. If, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's ridiculous. Locally and I had to and get out of calculator,
2: local. look at that thing three times and go, Wow. I mean that's 10 grand I can give to the drug free coalition right Warren. Hey. See? <laughs> <laughs>
10: all
2: right, well, here cuz right, well, we have a motion and we have a second. I we can. So with, all right, and, with no no further discussion, all those in favor of the well, well let's home run see.
16: fence replacement. Well, the,
2: the Department of Parks and Recreation to contract with Long Fence Company to install a new home run fencing with a concrete mow strip to replace existing home run fencing at Route 18 Park utilized in Prince George's County Public Schools IFB 003-18 pre-established government contract. That should have been a warning. Uh, signify by saying aye. Okay. All the nays? Aye. Okay. Two in one night. I was just going to say, we're on a roll. Two in one night. So Take it back read. to them and tell,
11: <laughs>
1: Heather, you, tell Steve
11: to, <laughs>
2: to do a
5: better job. Oh, now that I
11: know who's under the mask. We, we did this to Heather at the last reading. We made oh. her wait till last.
0: Not quite yet. Heather, I, you should. Item, item four um, on page 18, we have next. Our next action item is the... Um, artificial no. turf fee charges and our okay. Department of Parks and Rec Advisory Board, the PREB, is recommending to increase yep. the hourly rental fees uh, for the turf fields at Kent Island High School and Queen Anne's County High School for out-of-county youth, out-of-county adult and tournament and camps.
2: I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to raise the out-of-county and tournament camps fees for the use of the artificial turf fields effective July 1, 2021. Second. And uh, for discussion, uh, I sat in on this meeting, I, I agree with this 100%. We have a lot of out-of-counties that are coming because it's just we're, we're charging underneath the radar. E-
3: even yeah. at this dollar amount, we're not charging enough.
2: I agree. So uh, we're trying uh, to bring it up in increments. So uh, in increments? Yeah, well, I mean, we, I, it,
3: <laughs> my recommendation is on the out-of-county youth and out-of-county adult. Instead of 100, go to 125. And that's still a deal. And the out-of-county adult, 125 to 150, still a deal. I mean, if you ask any of these, uh, you know, check with Bobby Woolley, what he gets an hour for his facility. I just think that if we're going to do it in increments, I'm on on board. But I still think even with the increase that you guys have come up with, that we're we're still giving it away.
2: Does that a motion? Do you want to make an amendment? Yes, I do. Okay, and your amendment is to increase?
3: I'd like to make an amendment to this motion Mm -hmm. that we take the out-of-county youth rate um, that is recommended in this motion from 100 to 125 and the out-of-county adult rate of 125 and move that to 150.
11: What about tournaments and camps? No, No change there? No, don't change anything else. Okay. So that's a
12: motion which I second.
2: So we have a motion. For the amendment.
11: You're seconding the amendment.
2: Right. What you're, 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 he said. Yeah. No. You're, you're seconding his amendment.
11: That's correct. We've so, got to vote on the amendment
2: first. So we have a, we have a motion and a second on the amendment. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Uh, now we're going to vote on that packet in, in its entirety. Uh, to, to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to raise the out-of-county tournament and camps fees for the use of the artificial turf fields, effective July 1, 2021 as amended. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, gentlemen. Marge, did you get that? Gotcha. we got some turf that we're going to have to replace in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's and- right. We're doing good, though. It's it, We're, we're what well, COVID, we've doing me, real good. But we're,
3: which brings me—I I know Steve reported to us at our last commissioners meeting where we were on those revenue dollars that were being generated by the the turf field usage. But I, I can tell you, there's in a time that I go by that that school after after school hours that it's not being used. Um, I mean, it's—I mean, they're there. What with do you think?
2: What do you think is going to happen? They're going to start football, hopefully. In December,
3: yeah, and that's another. So topic, that's obviously. going to be going
2: December. It's going to be going into January. I got a feeling that there's we're going to get calls from other high schools to come here to use our turf fields for their games because their fields aren't going to be playable.
3: And this is and
2: don't, don't get
3: me wrong by asking to have these dollar amounts increased. It's 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 not necessarily an example of product and demand. In a sense that even at these prices that, that we amended and, and voted on to approve, those are we still have room in the years to come to go up in those numbers because there truly is a, a
11: need. And Jim, yes. I, th- I believe the the schools, if I'm not mistaken, the winter sports start the 10th, so fall sports I think are still going back go. to the spring. So we actually the fields won't it actually be used till right. next year, I guess. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. Because basketball and all that I think will start on the 10th that's the indoor sports. We'll
2: see. They're still hashing it out. Still I mean, I know the football
11: teams are practicing now. They're back to mm-hmm. practicing, but I don't know what that means in terms of games and all. So,
2: okay. I don't know why. All right.
11: Thank that, you, gentlemen, for that. That lets our little guys use the fields.
2: Right. Okay. Right. They
11: enjoy it, they, and no doubt UQA loves playing on the turf. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They're the big boys now. <laughs>
0: all right. Ready to move on? Yes, sir. All right. Item five on page. Nineteen is a request for economic development incentive funding for the Shine Like Stars Preschool. They're asking for a disbursement of $50,000 for the purpose of purchasing instructional equipment for their daycare which is now open and that will create six full-time jobs within three years. Okay, so before we do anything, if uh,
2: commissioners have talked to each other uh, over the last week about this, if we're going to make an amendment, we should introduce it as is and then amend it. Okay, so somebody wants to make the motion, and then we'll go from there.
0: Or you can just make whatever motion you want, if you want to yeah, change you can change the mo- the motion. Yeah. This is just a suggested motion. You can make another motion. And- okay. Outright, if you would like. Okay. So,
11: here we sit. Heather might as well come up, because she's the next... Is she three or four items here? Is this yours, Heather?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, All of them. Oh, the next oh, three well, then four, four items. On
2: up. On yeah. on
3: from down. Heather Tanelli. Indeed. She's had a, she's oh, had a day.
14: This, this
3: one's had a day. It started with the KNDF meeting that was
2: uh, a marathon. Oh, boy. <laughs> we have
14: one tomorrow with the EDC,
2: too. Oh. <laughs> Fun. Okay. Now that she's up here, does anybody want to make a motion? I'll make this motion so we can get some discussion going.
15: Um, I move to approve the disbursement of $50,000 of the economic development incentive funding to Shine Lake Stars Preschool LLC for the purchase of instructional equipment, the diversement of funds is contingent upon a signed agreement between the EDIF commission and the company outline the conditions of the agreement and the performance of the project in accordance with the application submitted to the EDIF commission.
11: For
2: second for discussion for discussion. Okay. I, I don't know what we can ask and what you can tell, but how did you come up with $50,000 for this? I mean, I mean, we talked earlier about this, and there's going to be other ones in here, but how did you come up with that dollar amount? For Is is it related to the six jobs? Is it what the cost of the material? Or no, does-
14: it's based on the, the fixed asset purchases that she wanted to make, and then we looked in there, and the playground equipment, I want to say, is close to 20 when it's all said and done, uh-huh. and the outdoor activities as well as the... Um, they're not called whiteboards. I forget what the name of them is but the boards that are Smart boards. Smart boards. boards yeah. she's going to have those for each of her uh-huh. um, I think it's three classrooms and then there's a kitchen facility that she wants to have to not only cook the meals for the kids but enable them to um, cook for you know like do okay.
10: cook classes
2: well like I, I know that I made a motion uh, many moons ago and my fellow commissioners supported it it's like that's what I remember uh, for $25,000 for Shine Like Stars. So I'm going to make a motion to amend this to change it from $50,000 to $25,000. If I can get a second. If otherwise. Second. Okay, there we go. So we have a motion and we have a second on the amendment. Is there any discussion on the amendment? Somebody want to go lower? Somebody think that that's not right? Or is I have a question. Uh, uh, Heather, do you do you know at this point
3: with COVID and some of these kid academies and, and other of uh, these um, preschools in the county, how many we have? I know some have closed because of COVID and aren't reopening. Do do we have any idea how many we have?
14: I don't know off the top of my head, but I can get that for you. And then, you know, it just depends. We do have a list of all of them, but that list also includes home daycare. So I would just need to break out the home daycare versus the ones that are
3: in commercial. Right, right. I, I'm asking more specifically to a, a brick and mortar location mm-hmm. uh, where the kids are brought to, uh, and it's not a home daycare situation. It's a freestanding building, you know, well like this one or the or the Kitty Academy or any of those. I, I know the Kitty Academy in Stevensville closed, and um, my understanding is not going to reopen because of COVID or. I think it's still open. It's
14: still it's open. It is. It is open. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. They were not sure. I guess how my COVID question is going to impact them, but they are still they are open. Sorry. Okay. And so I guess my normal. question is 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 driven by uh, there's truly a need for for preschools here in our county because obviously we can't we, we just don't have the the board of education doesn't have the wherewithal to to have multiple pre K classes in, in any of our elementary schools. So. Um, I, again, I I think there's a huge still. We, we may be reducing it from fifty thousand to twenty five thousand, but I still think that there's a, a a huge need in the county for for preschools. And so, I, you know, I've always been very supportive of Shine Like Stars or or any other uh, like business.
2: Well, um, I, I guess to that so, point, Phil, so and I agree with you. I I, I think it's a you know uh, I think it's a A great organization. I think they do yeoman's work uh, with with these kids, and and I I, I totally agree with that. Uh, You know, I guess what I'm looking at is, you know, we caught a little flack for Mm -hmm. giving them twenty-five thousand dollars before, and this to me kind of justifies it because the you know EDIF is saying that they want to give fifty. We've given them already twenty-five. Here's the other twenty-five, and and uh, I can sleep on that. I don't have a problem with that.
3: And, And with that line of thinking, I agree.
2: Yeah. So. So with that being said, uh, we have an amendment. Uh, so real quick, Jim. A, 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 a motion and a second on, on an amendment. There's no further?
11: I do. I have. Um, so yes. I guess we don't want to lose focus of what the EDIF is, um, what it was established for and what it was supposed to do. And in the case of here, we're adding equipment. Okay. The equipment, I don't know that you're hiring new people because you put playground equipment in. Our next one we're going to deal with, that's equipment that's going to create jobs because the equipment actually needs people to run it. So I i, I just don't want to lose sight of what the EDIF is for. It's, it's supposed to be creating a job, and I don't know that playground equipment necessarily creates a job. great um, Because you would have to have the playground equipment there to be a child care center. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, again, we had conversations earlier about refocusing some of this stuff and obviously some stuff I'll, I'll talk to you about, Heather, but um, you know, we just got to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. good
3: yeah. So I'm, so they just have to reword this. I mean, they're, they are stating in here that it, that they will get to six full-time jobs within three years. I and and I, I understand. I mean, I
11: don't disagree with that. But, right. but what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, when we see these projects come to us, we're looking at, okay, what are they doing with it? What, what are they doing?
3: The job creation. The and what the is the job impact, creation? Right. Are we
11: teaching somebody a new skill, a new trade because mm-hmm. of this? Uh, product that they're putting in, or something like that, and I don't well, think also when somebody so. says how many
2: jobs they create, that really doesn't mean anything to us unless they live in Queen Anne's County because correct. If they take their income tax and everything else out of the county. What good is you are correct? We've done nothing. Also,
12: you've got questions of what grade job is it, you know, and what income right. level is it, what the length of the job, or you know, I? I, I think this whole thing, I mean, here in and in the next motion you get, you get two jobs. For fifty thousand, twenty-five thousand a job. Here, you're getting jobs cheap. They but have is
14: to, that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it wrong. Please. They have to keep those jobs in order to be for this to turn. That into answers
12: one sixteenth of the point I'm making, though, which is that I, it's not at all clear to me at this point when this original action to create jobs took place. It was back during the end of the 2008 and 10. Recession, and we had a real high employment rate in the county, and there was every premium at that point on getting jobs. And I think at this point we need we need to look at what the unemployment rate is and what kind of jobs we're getting, and not just saying this job is we're getting six for for fifty grand and two for fifty grand. I mean, this is the most unregulated. There's no parameters of really whether, where they live. I I, I just I don't think the taxpayers are getting value for their money in this, with this setup. I think we should, should look at the setup. I'm not talking about this deal. I'm talking about the general parameters of what this commission is up to.
11: Mm-hmm. Well, I think this fund originated and has been funded and never been funded again under the hotel tax originally. I believe it was carved out of the hotel for tax. <laughs> transfer. Set up. Right? Tax, right? A bridge. Record Yeah, so it was taken yep. out of something else other than general fund dollars. And I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, there's been nothing else put in it, correct? Yeah. Since. Not There's been
10: money, money transferred into it.
11: On the bridge. From bridge. Yeah, bridge. On bridge. the bridge. bridge, right. That's what I'm saying. There's been no new money put in right. that wasn't set aside originally. So. It's taken seven, six years to whittle it down to where it's at right now. And I'm not saying it hasn't done good. I think we just can't lose focus on what it was for. And I, right. I would agree to disagree with you, uh, Commissioner Wilson, but I do think having tools in the toolbox for businesses to grow and all that stuff is important. Many, all, a lot of the surrounding counties, smaller counties, offer these similar incentives, and I don't think we should be any different. So that's just my opinion yeah, on the incentives. Just because
15: so. I haven't had my chance on this. With this particular project, my concern here is that if there's a great demand for childcare, you know, supply and demand, the prices can go up on what you can get for tuition, and they should be able to get financing for this type of stuff. Rates are very low, um, so if it's a strong business, it should be able to qualify for a loan. And my concern is that, you know, they, it's always one more request with this business, and I don't know that, you know, that's the best way to go, just my thoughts on it.
11: Aren't and, you? And as you a sideline here, this? Heather, because, huh? Did you sit in on this?
2: <laughs> no. Oh, you were, I thought you were the. You know, you're not on that board. No. Okay. Not on okay.
5: no, that no, one. No. Okay.
2: All right. Any other discussion? Used to be. Excuse me. Used to be before as a commissioner. Or oh, that's right. Okay. 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 Any other discussion? So, could Please. you read the new motion one more time? We're going to we're voting on the amendment first. Okay. The amendment is to to not to. Replace the fifty thousand with twenty-five thousand. Okay. So that's amendment. So that's the all those in favor of the uh, reduction from fifty to twenty-five thousand signify by saying aye. Aye. Right. Aye. aye. Opposed mm-hmm. two three to two. Okay.
3: That's just to get it down to twenty. That's just to get it from fifty to twenty-five. Correct. But, now okay. you got, vote <laughs> okay. right, now got vote. to sure. got vote on the overall motion. Okay. Now we got to
2: vote on the overall motion. So we are voting now uh, to approve the disbursement of $25,000 of the Economic Development Incentive Funding to Shine Like Stars Preschool LLC for the purpose of purchasing instructional equipment. The disbursement of funds is contingent upon a signed agreement between the EDIF Commission and the company outlining the conditions of the agreement and performance of the project in accordance with the application submitted to the EDIF Commission. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Aye. There you go. They get nothing. Okay. No. Next one. That was three. Okay. Two,
0: two yes and three no's. Margie, Phil, and I are the yeses. Okay. All right. Item six on page twenty-six is a, another request for economic development incentive funding. This is for Chesapeake Environmental Labs. They are seeking a disbursement of fifty thousand dollars for purchasing uh, computer equipment for their laboratory, and uh, that would create two additional full-time jobs within three years. I move to approve the disbursement of $50,000
15: of economic development incentive funding to Chesapeake Environmental Labs, Inc., for the purpose of purchasing a uh, premium element LIMS system. The disbursement of funds is contingent upon a signed agreement with the EDIF commission, and the company outlined the conditions of the agreement and performance of the project in accordance with the application submitted to the
2: EDIF. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item?
11: Heather, can you just give us a background on this particular? Sure. They've been in
14: uh, business for 29 years, and this specific piece of equipment will allow them to improve efficiencies and grow. So they will hire two no employees, but on top of that, be able to, to grow and produce more income. And they're hoping to also offer like um, like an online service where people can send in their water samples, get tested, come back. Um, they've been a long-standing member of the community. Um, their financials look good. The, the two jobs are decent jobs. They have to have them within three years, and then they'll remain. They're also going to be purchasing a vehicle because they'll need that in order to be able to go out and do the testing, as well as some other equipment um, that they said they were going to purchase as well. So it's it's a decent investment.
15: And, and am I right that this money that's going to this equipment is actually significantly more expensive than what they're seeking the EDIF. They have their own skin in the game, their own money that they're putting into this, a significant amount, right?
12: Yes.
15: Why wouldn't they go to a bank?
14: I guess they, they could.
15: I mean, why are
12: we using public money to intervene in between what ought to be a bank, commercial bank operation, and taxpayer money? Because I understand your point that we haven't added money to this, but let's remember, when we needed to fund the fireman's pension, we took it out of the bridge fund, which is illustrative of the fact that this is public money.
11: Out of the recordation tax, no doubt. I don't disagree. Well, it's still public money. But we, we have the money there for this purpose. We have a, no different than our spending affordability committee, we have a committee, the EDIF, that, that vets this stuff, and we rely on them to vet it, so i
12: well, I just, I mean...
11: I mean, it's been set up for six years. I get we need to look at it, but I don't think we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater on it. Yeah, I think well, we get spent. time doing to- it. And that's
3: actually my point, too. I mean, if we're going to be taking a look at the EDIF fund and, and how it's managed and, and what qualifies and if we're even going to tweak it or make some changes, you can't do that when you've got requests in the pipeline. You can't just say, we're changing the rules right now. Right.
11: Is that correct? That, that's what I'm saying, yeah. because I, I, mean, and I think that's a fair point. Yes.
15: Uh, but I think it's something we need to look at, um, you know, do we put some caps on this, make these more microloans, $10,000, $15,000 loans, $10, $15, loans um, the money go a little further, and, you know, and, for businesses that can't otherwise find this financing.
3: And to Commissioner Wilson's um, point, is there even a need for the Economic Development Incentive Fund under our current economy? Like business is flourishing. I mean, th- th- that's just a question. That's not a statement.
15: Are there other programs we should be consider developing? I mean, I-, I think that's a fair task to look into it I, I know Heather doesn't have anything on her plate right now so I that, was that's a no big deal too, we
14: do keep we there are reporting requirements in order for these businesses in order to be able to consider them to be conditional so we have that from the beginning of the time we can provide an ROI we can tell you how many jobs are created and many of these deals there's many more jobs and created than what's required they're giving us the minimum of what they can do because we don't want to set the expectation too far and then not be able to meet the goal but we do have metrics to be able to say what they're capital investment was um, in the initiation we don't follow up with financials that sort of thing but we do get quarterly reporting for all five years on their employment and we can provide that for you i'm happy to do it it might take me a little while because we're understaffed right now but (laughs) we are getting that data i just have to populate it in a way that it's easy to read and we did recently review our structure and happy to do it again with the commission, where we reduce the amounts to fifty, and largely due to the fact that there's not a lot of money left in the pot. I do find this a great option. Um, there, I'm sure there's some companies that come through that could get a loan, but there's many that come through that can't, and they're you know just because their financials look good, they you know might have leverage in other ways and not be able to go to a bank, but. Um, so like this is
11: a- do we have any in the pipeline right now outside of these two we're acting on tonight? As you know
14: There's interest. Nobody has applied, but I've given out several.
11: So let me float this to my fellow commissioners. If we put a freeze on this until Heather, such time as Heather's able to get us a report, take any applications, the back burner until we see a report and we make a distinction after we get to see Beyond an updated ROI and all that kind of stuff. Except for these. Except I for these. For no, 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 no. I'm saying, I'm saying these are the only two okay. right now we've got to vote on. There's no more in the pipeline, so okay. maybe only just... one. We've already voted on one. Right. Oh, yeah, we voted on one. Uh, yeah. But I'd I'm just like saying... Say,
12: I'd like to say I accept Commissioner Dumanoff's point. I think he's exactly right. I don't think we ought to be jumping the, in the middle of the process, the guidelines. But I do want to raise the basic point about this business of taking a look at the whole process. So I'm, I'm going to vote for this. But it doesn't mean that I like the
11: But so that's what I'm saying, Steve. She, there are no more there. So let's get the report that that's Heather can generate. You know, when we I'll get that report, then we can Dang. follow up. I'm agreeing with that. Okay. Yeah. All right.
2: Everybody else good with that? I mean. No, he's he's saying he's not don't take a vote on this. Wait for her to come back with a report. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. Vote on this.
0: Get him out of the pipeline. And then don't the to to put <laughs> any more in. <Right. laughs> Yeah, right. that, <laughs> we, talk, we actually talked earlier about getting a report back from Right, because we, we already on, said that. We wanted a report. Projects. So that yeah, was our yeah, so we're list. going to vote
11: on this and then we're going to
15: get a report later on yeah. the metrics. But, but I just don't want any more list.
11: applications to get in the pipeline before we have an opportunity to go back and revisit it and look at it and yeah. figure out you know, what to do with it.
14: I will say it's important that our economic development team, i.e., me, mean, has the tools yeah, Such yes. as this. I'm happy to look at restructuring. I Come mean, on, we just you just, just got four hundred.
2: You're getting four hundred and sixty thousand dollars for restaurants. We keep giving you money to give away
14: <laughs> but that I have to give out. <laughs> but yeah, but that's the fun part. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Call them easier home, than this, please. though, right? <laughs> so here we go. So the motion
2: to approve the disbursement of fifty thousand dollars of economic development incentive funding to Chesapeake Environmental Labs Incorporated for the purpose of purchasing a. Pro- Promium Element LIMS System. The disbursement of funds is contingent upon a signed agreement between the EDIF Commission and the company outlining the conditions of the agreement and performance of the project in accordance with the application submitted to the EDIF Commission. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved.
0: There we go. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Heather, you're a good sport. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. Item number seven on page 30, beginning on page 30, is a commercial commercial real property tax credit request for the Kenton Arrows Enterprises, LLC. And this is a request for a commercial real property tax credit for the project known as the Kenton Hyatt, owned by Kenton Arrows Enterprises. And the commercial real property tax credit for the Hyatt is based on uh, creating 30 new full-time jobs within 36 months of completion, and the project has an estimated construction cost of $20.3 million.
3: I move to approve the request for commercial real property tax credit for the Kent Narrows Hyatt Place project located at 3028 Kent Narrows Way, South Graysonville, Maryland, owned by Kent Narrows Enterprise, LLC. Second.
2: We have a motion and a second. Discussion. All right, I'm going to start it off here. What's the fiscal note on this? How much is this costing the county?
14: Based on my calculations today... Three hundred
2: and thirty-eight thousand dollars total. Total. So I, I'd I'd like to see your calculations. Eighty,
14: sixty, forty,
2: twenty. Correct. Eighty, sixty, forty, twenty. On the
14: twenty million. Excuse me. On the twenty million.
2: On the twenty million. Mm -hmm. And if it appraises for, comes out and it's twenty-five million, you know that number is going to go up. I, I, I would like to see these accompanied with. What the estimates are and how much we're, we're giving. So we're saying on this one here, in the neighborhood of $350,000. Over five years. Excuse me? Over five years. Over five years. $320,000 over five years. So, you know, uh, and, and there's another one too. So I don't know. I, Do you want to hold these until we can get those numbers for you? I, I'd like to know how many of these we've done you know i can't remember the last time we did one of these i
14: was here when the last one is for the queenstown uh, assisted living facility i right. just started here when that one came yep. in
3: but which one was it the
14: queenstown, queenstown assisted, assisted, assisted living that's, that's living, right the one oh
11: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay that,
14: that's the last one that we yep. did
11: that's just a few months ago it's
14: right after i started yeah
11: so yep. february i think right yep. february meeting yeah
14: there anybody that's in an enterprise zone would uh, be able to apply for the, the credit These I thought
2: just, you couldn't be in the enterprise zone to do this right
14: well I was saying anybody that's in an enterprise zone would get a tax credit that way anybody uh, outside would apply that what is looking for a tax credit with
11: any enterprise? The ones that are in the enterprise zone get the credit from the state right that's 10 us. years right that's 10 years too right enterprise zone
14: mm-hmm. it's a lot longer, it's longer.
11: right yeah but it's a smaller amount. No, because, no, the percentage of no,
2: goes. Oh, good. it comes off of us.
14: It's us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But the state will reimburse one half of that okay. expense. Okay.
11: okay. But and that's what, 80, that goes down to 20, right, for the last yeah. four yeah, or five it years? it goes,
14: it's like five years at 80%. And right. And then it's yeah. it, down after that. Yeah. So this is a shorter time period.
11: Mm. So, Okay. Do you want to tell us what the fiscal note on the next one was just before we vote on this? Excuse me? But she gave us the fiscal note on the first one. We want to find out what the fiscal note was? Well, the
2: one? there are two separate ones, so... Oh, We've got a motion. We've got a motion. In a second. In a second. Okay. Any other discussion?
12: Well, did you bring up the point that we ought to table this until?
2: Well, I, I just think that, you know, I, we, we do these and we never really know what it's costing us.
12: Well... A while ago, we talked about putting fiscal impact on things. This is exactly the perfect example, and I agree with you. Well, so I'm going think- to make a motion that we table it until we have that.
2: Well, the, the, who made the original motion? I did. Do you want to yield the motion to get the information? Because in, there's no rush in this because it's not going to be done for two years. So yeah. it's not like this is right. – right? I mean, it's, it's not open until 2022, so it doesn't need to happen today. Yeah, I'll resend my, my
11: motion. Right. Uh, but well, – but that brings into question the whole issue with construction time frame and when you apply for these does it not heather before we go down this rabbit hole what do you mean
14: i mean we still have time for the next
11: because okay because these have to be approved and in place before construction starts because that's going to come up on the next one Honours, just out of curiosity I hate to drag this out why because that's the way it's written. That's the way the, the, the tax credit is written. But this is code. a county
2: tax credit, so right. it's the way we wrote the law? I yes. So, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't, I mean, I don't, I don't know what that, why that, anyway. Okay. So
3: let me ask you a question. Could we revisit this in our next commissioner's meeting in two weeks? Yeah. And could it's we get the information? Before
2: construction, that's the All biggest, right. that's what I'm saying. You could
3: get the information to us?
14: Yeah, I have a spreadsheet yeah. that I put it in. Okay. I just wasn't aware that it needed to be part of this. I'm happy to. I can and you, get to you tomorrow.
2: And you might as well do the uh, the next one same way. So that's three hundred and twenty thousand is what you thought
3: for this for, this first project yes. over a five year period. As far as the yeah,
2: the
0: tax credit. I I mean, we can wait two weeks. And we'll do the same we'll do the same thing with Yeah, we, I don't think finance has looked at that, so alright. That's fine. Okay, so we have, mo- there. we have a motion to table this. Is that right on item eight? I don't Brian.
12: know, because no one seconded, did they?
0: Yeah, it was seconded. Uh, we- I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll text- well, He yielded you know, his, he, motion he so- it his motion yeah. anyway, so they can.
2: So we're just going to table it.
11: They're just going to be pulled from the agenda okay. right now, that's
2: all.
11: Yeah. I'm going to text Vito
0: and have him have a nice cold martini ready for you when you get he's been home.
14: working himself, so. He's not <laughs> he's across he's the bridge.
0: All right, so number, item, it. eight, item eight is tabled then, right? You're saying? Seven okay. and eight are tabled. Seven and eight, okay. All right. Thank you, Heather. Okay, rounding the corner here. We uh, we covered items nine and ten. Number item number eleven on page forty-eight would be a complete meeting without us some property liens. We have uh, five resolutions for property liens on properties uh, from the county zoning administrator for nuisance violations. I move to approve resolutions
15: uh, 2038 through 2041 to place a lien on each of the properties listed in the county zoning administrator's memorandum dated October 27th, 2020,
2: for nuisance violations. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion?
0: Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Item 12 on page 79 is the proposed calendar for the fiscal 2022 budget process. I move and to approve
12: the fiscal 2022 budget
2: calendar. Second. No motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved.
0: Thank you, Commissioners. Item 13 is budget amendment CC18 for the community mentoring This is a budget amendment for community partnerships to accurately reflect revenues provided by the Governor's Office of Crime Control uh, for this mentoring program.
2: Motion to approve CC18. Second. Any discussion? Seeing none,
0: all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, Commissioners. Uh, Budget Amendment CC19 is item 14 on page 82. This is another budget amendment for community partnerships, which zeroes out the Chesapeake Helps program and adds that money to the transportation voucher program, which is a similar program for transportation for the uh, um, folks that need that for jobs and schools. This is CC19.
12: So me too. (laughs) I move to approve Budget Amendment CC19.
2: Second. We have a motion and a second. Is there any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Aye.
0: Opposed? One absent. All right, thank you, commissioners. Our last item tonight is uh, item 15, budget amendment CC38 on page 84. There's an amendment for recreation program revenue increase to cover expenditures above the budgeted grant user fee expenditures for summer days.
12: Move to approve budget amendment CC38. Second.
2: We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify
0: by saying aye. 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 Opposed? One absent. Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioners. That's all of our new business for this evening that we had. And there's nobody outside in the hallway? Right here. I don't think so. Okay, good.
2: So we're just going to go right to round table.
0: I don't know. We have any other public comments? Bruce? Okay. Bruce said, oh, no.
2: He said he's late for dinner. Wait, he's a new married man, too. He's like, my plate's getting cold. Okay. Jack, fire, you got anything? Vote. Vote. Okay. Good. Steve. Round table. Nothing. Good. Happy. Okay.
15: Echo Jack says vote. So if you don't know, early voting has started. Ken Island Fire Department or Kennard Elementary School up here in Centerville uh, open all this week. Um, the line there's been lines and they have been moving very fast. Awesome. It's it's been. I, I went out the first day. I was there. It was a little bit of a line. Probably in and out in thirty minutes. Was not bad. Um, and I've got similar reports from other people, so do yourself a favor. Go out and vote this week while there's early voting because you don't want to be stuck in line Election Day in a long line. There's, I believe, less polling locations on Election Day, so
11: vote. Yes, and, and that's a good point, Chris, and I guess we should PSA that right now. that we only, I think we only have four polling places on Election Day in Queen Anne's County, so make sure you don't go to your check and don't go to the polling place that you always go to because it may not be there this year. So. Right. Don't show up at Ken Allen High School expecting to vote. Exactly. Commissioner Dumano, anything?
3: Um, obviously, because of, of COVID, um, a lot of our fire departments and, and different organizations in our community have had a difficult time raising, raising money, uh, much-needed money to keep their operations going and... One of the things that that I often enjoyed was the Queen Anne's County Watermen's Association crab feast that they would do, and and obviously because of COVID they haven't been uh, able to do a lot of their fundraising events. But there is something that they're going to be doing for this year, and I'm pretty excited about it. Actually, um, the um, they're doing a com- uh, a uh, community holiday crab feast, a crab basket tree that's going to be situated on the corner of. Uh, 18, um, and Wells Cove Road. And it's going to consist of 200 baskets that will be decorated um, in a Christmas theme. Um, You can reach out um, to some folks that are associated with the Queen Anne's County Watermen's Association. They're limiting it to 200 baskets. They'll be $50 a piece. Um, You have to have your... um, your basket turned in, decorated and turned in by December 5th. Um, but this information, um, my understanding, if you go to the Queen Anne's County Watermen's Association website, you can get some more information. Also, um, the uh, inf- there was some information, and I apologize, it emailed to me earlier with detailed information about those baskets and and where to go and what to do to get it. Here we go. Um, You can pick up your basket um, at Graysonville Volunteer Fire Department November 1st and November 7th from 9 to 2. The other location where you can pick up your basket is the Chesapeake Heritage and Visitor Center. November 2nd from 6 to 10, um, or November 2nd and November 6th from 10 to 4.30. So Heritage Center, November 2nd and November 6th from 10 to 4.30. Again, the $50. If for an additional fee, they'll actually paint the basket for you. So um, Queen's County Watermen's Association website, they can give you some information or you can go to their Facebook page. Uh, but... Um, I would strongly recommend this is uh, uh, something that I think that the community uh, driving down Graysonville, Main Street, um, at Wells Cove Road in 18 will be able to see and enjoy during the holidays. And uh, They did one in, um, in Rock Hall that w- just was amazing. Uh, there was a lot of um, activity about that and, and positive things said about that crab basket Christmas tree. So... I'm looking forward to participating in it, and, and I think that um, I think the commissioner should have a, uh, a basket decorated um, for this, and I will even put up the money for the basket.
2: Very well. That's all I have. Thank you very much. I got nothing. He's right. Vote. And no matter who wins, and no matter when, you find out who won. <laughs> two weeks, three weeks, <laughs> year, the sun will come up the following day, and it will set. Life goes on. So I hope everybody stays safe and get out there and vote. Motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. Hasta la visa.